I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Time to die. for a stroll, don't you think? Yeah, you girls ought to be getting home. Yeah, street lights are on. Shut up, face. I'm face, he's asshole. Jake? Oh, oh. Surprise Rodney Dangerfield here of his situation. 
Perhaps we can dispense with the fun and games now, yes? You want the envelope, right? The envelope. Very smart. See, Jake, here's a man who knows when a situation is untenable. Good word. You like that word? And you do have that envelope, don't you? You better give up, Jimmy. We're dealing with a couple geniuses here. All right, man, just leave him alone. Leave him alone, sure, whatever you say. Jake attacks his job with a certain exuberance. Shit, we're being beat up by the inventor of Scrabble. Still in a good mood, Jake. Kick him again. No, 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 all right. Where is it? In the truck. Give me the keys. Slow and easy. Give it to Jake. Dumb bastard, you're gonna pay for that. Jake, open the trunk. You're listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. such a tough time with this case. These nails... Where is it? Where's what? Personal space! Personal space! <gasps> a milkshake, a lumberjack timburger, mm. and waffle fries. Well, well, well. When this cat's away, the mouse, that's you, will consume 2,000 calories. But Veronica, I'm, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. Don't be cute with me. You were going to tell me something about nails? Fine, I'll try to fill you in before your inevitable heart attack. Okay, now that's not polite very abusive sounding what would you do joseph if somebody told you to go yourself would you cut one of their eyes out no no what would you do you think yourself can cool don't you you think yourself can cool well just once i would like to hear you scream in pain some rap music.
someone was just telling me that Nicole couldn't be a suspect because she would never destroy her own business by setting off these bombs. Well, that person, whoever it was, is a real asshole. Alexa, who's the bomber? Uh, we don't have one of those. And who the hell's been talking to me when you're not here? Kaboom! Oh, wait. Is the show beginning? Is it starting? Finally. Oh, my God! This is it? This is the show? <laughs> Hello! Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Jstrom, and I'm here in Entertainment Landfill Headquarters. Beep, boop, 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 boop. But I'm not alone. I'm here with Stephen, the pop culture zealot. Hello, Hello. Stephen. Hello, Jason. I'm so glad you could be here tonight, Stephen. Oh, I didn't think I was going to make it. I'm glad you did. I mean, I know, you know, <clears throat> you flew in on an airplane and boy, are your arms tired. But uh, I was worried you weren't going to make it. Well, I, we, we land 15 minutes late, but then there's no gate for us. So we sat for 30 minutes. So now 45 minutes late from getting off the plane. Finally get my luggage and I leave and there's a wreck on the freeway. Shut down. Oh, that's the worst. Yep. So I have to find an alternate route. Get through that. Get most of the way home. And work convoy shut down the freeway. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Did you... Let me... Add- Tell the truth. Did you think about texting me and going, dude, I'm not making it. I'm not coming. You just want to go to bed when you get home. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Well, well thank I, you, Stephen, for not doing that. Well, then I got food. I went home, ate, got back, you know, just left just after eight. Guess what? They shut the freeway down by my house for construction. Ugh. So now I have to find, you know, another way to the freeway. So three freeway shutdowns today. Within an hour. Damn. <laughs> oh, you got some food there. Yes, it was delicious. <laughs> now, Stephen, we almost did a show last week, except it was funny because I had I knew what the intro I was going to do and everything on around Wednesday, and uh, that night I got the worst oh. food poisoning <laughs> of my life. Yes. Like, bad. You know what's so funny? is like, uh, you know, I haven't thrown up for years. I don't want to really get too graphic with this, but it's weird. Like, you're asleep. You're like and Jerry then Seinfeld. I haven't thrown up in ten years. Yeah, yeah. And the last time I did, I had food poisoning then, too. But I kind of sat up in the middle of the night, and I was like, I'm going to throw up and I just like went to the bathroom and it's like, you know, it's going to happen. Like your body's going, Hey, get to the bathroom. This is going to happen. And little did I know it would be like every hour on the hour, like until dawn. (laughs) And then, you know, Heather was asleep and she kind of woke up and she's like, what's going on? And I was like, "Eh, I've been throwing up all night. (laughs) And when you do that, your body gets so weak, like so very weak. And uh, I have, you know, to take Emma to driver's ed and all this stuff and take the trash out and the recyclables and stuff. And I couldn't do anything. I was like, Heather's like, do you want me to take the trash out? And I was like, no, no, I'll get it in a bit. But then after she went to work, I was like, yeah, I'm going back to bed. (laughs) And uh, I had Heather's mom come over and take Emma and everything. And she likes, 
I didn't realize it, but she stayed here all day just like to see if I needed anything. Keeping an eye on you. Yeah. And uh, even like, I would say even on through Sunday, I still didn't have any energy. I was just weak. So weak. I didn't have, I couldn't do anything. And then finally, like this week, I've felt normal again. Just like, ah, I've got. Man, you're weak. Weak, weak, weak. And it was, I don't know about, uh, it might be like our bodies or our brains or whatever, but when you get food poisoning, can you even think about the food you ate? Like, I don't want to name it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to smell it again. I don't want to. I I just asked you where you got it. I didn't ask you because I already know that. Well, it's funny. I told Heather and I go, get rid of the food. And she goes, what are you talking about? I go, Get rid of the Chinese food that we had. Just get rid of it. She goes, well, where the trash came yesterday. What am I supposed to do? And I go, just take it with you to work. Do something with it. And she said she stopped by a gas station and just threw it in a dumpster. <laughs> but I was like, I, I don't want to smell it again. I don't want to look at it or nothing, nothing, you know. And uh, I still won't eat at the place that gave me. Yeah, you said Panda Express. Yeah. Well, see, this place that we go to, we go all the time, and I don't get sick, but I ordered something I'd never ordered before. And I was like, I can remember, like, back in time, like, oh, this looks good. I'm going to try this. If I could go back in time and go, stop, don't order that. (laughs) And it was the tempura shrimp. And when we got it, when I got home. Did it smell off? Didn't look great. Was cold. It wasn't hot anymore. And Heather, she's like, oh, I don't want that. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll eat it. And it was like four. It was like a, an appetizer. And God, I wish I could not do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but I did, and it's over. But thank God I'm feeling better, guys. I'm here to do the show. And sorry we didn't do a show last week. But, you know, it's like, you know, it has been uh, the past couple of years on the show. We do the show when we can, right? Yes. We do it when we can. What was that, Adam Sexton? I'm going to kill that guy. But, um... <laughs> Steven. Yes. What What is going on with you in in life right now? Just a working man. Just working? Yeah. Um, let's see. Emma, she's got her learner's permit. Mm-hmm. Basically, when you go to uh, driver's ed, you take the test and you get a certificate saying you yes. pass the written portion or whatever so i just need to take her to the dmv with the thing and she's got her uh, learner's permit so then it's up to me until march to teach her how to drive but you have to make an appointment right to i think melissa was telling me you have to make an appointment now at the dmv you can't just show up there like we mm-hmm. did one you can do it online yeah and then i have uh she has seven driving instructions that she can go on, you know, where they take you around. So I want to take, uh, teach her some fundamentals before we start doing those lessons and stuff. Did they not drive with driver's ed? Just no, this was uh driver's ed was basically learning all the rules and stuff. Okay. Cause we did, when I was in school, it was, you had like two weeks of class and then you had to drive 24 hours or something like that Mm -hmm. so it's like you drove four out there were four three kids with me yeah and you each took a turn driving for like an hour or something right i meant were you already 16 when you took that 
or no, when you're I was 15? 15. 15, okay. Yeah, so since Emma is 15, she has until uh, March when she turns 16 to basically um, get all that driving time in. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done any of it yet. And I was talking to one of the mothers, one of Emma's uh, friends who she goes to school with. She was like, uh, you know, my daughter, she's not interested in driving at all. She doesn't care. She doesn't want to. I try to make her drive home and she doesn't want to. And I'm like, the same with my daughter. She just doesn't want. It's like they're not interested. What the hell is with this generation? You know, I don't understand. (laughs) I couldn't wait to get a car and go. Yeah, I have a feeling Emma, when she gets closer to 16, she'll be more excited, like if she had a vehicle. But right now, it's just not that interesting, you know? I mean, I lived out in, you know, a little town, and you had to drive 30 minutes to get to Fort Worth, you know? So we you know, go to the mall and hang out. Oh, God, don't even. I'm hoping... But, but that's not really a thing anymore, going to the mall for kids. Yeah. They go to Amazon. <laughs> And a browser, web browser. <laughs> I guess the kids do go to the mall somewhat. I don't know. Whenever I go there, it seems like it's a bunch of damn kids. But not like when we did. I mean, because we had the arcades and all that stuff. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Spaceport. <laughs> now, Stephen, um, let's go ahead and get into some voicemail. I got a sure. voicemail from Adam Sexton. You want to play that? Yes. Let's see what uh, Adam has to say to us. Let me play that. First, voicemail intro. And now it's time to hear some voicemail. Here's a man who knows when a situation is untenable. Yes, that's right. All right, let's check it out. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton sending you a voicemail. I'm glad that you guys are recording again tonight. Uh, So here is some feedback voicemail. Jason, I know that recently, last week, I believe you had a bout of bad food poisoning. So I hope you've uh, recovered from that. And uh, I'm glad to see that you enjoyed that uh, YouTube video I sent you. Uh, for those who of you who are not in the know, uh, Jason talked about on the last episode about the Turbo Graphics 16 Mini, and yeah. it made me think of this uh, YouTube channel that I follow called Pixel Game Squad, and it has in it a series of videos called My Retro Life. And uh, this guy, Tyler Esposito, basically hosted. And what it is, is when he was a child, his father was an avid video game collector who uh, always managed to find good deals or always managed to get uh, gaming systems of the 80s or 90s and be able to share them with his son. And also, because and this made way for a good YouTube uh, channel, he videotaped everything. So, because Jason talked about the TurboGrafx-16 uh, Mini, uh, there was an episode where Tyler, as a child, got a TurboGrafx-16 system when it was recently released and a whole bunch of games for it. And it's really sweet, it's really nostalgic, and... 
when you if you go through the channel, you realize that uh, this happened with all the major systems like Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo and even Virtual Boy and Dreamcast and on and on. So if you want to uh, watch a YouTube video that will make you feel good, uh, it definitely made uh, Jstrom happy. Uh, it's called uh, My Retro Life, and it's part of the Pixel Game Squad YouTube channel, uh, and I would highly recommend that. Also, regarding uh, your talk about the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, I'm interested in getting one. The only thing that's scaring me off right now is I found out that there were some uh, Japanese games that are on the system, but they're not going to be localized. So, uh, for example, I was wanting to play the game Snatcher, which I believe also came out on Sega CD or Sega Saturn, and uh, we're getting the one that is Japanese language only, and that's kind of uh, uh, it kind of feels like a gut punch. So I don't know if that will scare me off from wanting to order one or not, but uh, we'll see. Uh, other things, um, when you played the trailer for Relaxer, uh, <laughs> that was one of the grossest, uh, one of the most disgusting, and also one of the funniest things that you've ever played on the channel. And Jay, uh, Jaystrom, I hope you made some uh, voice drops of it, even though they're profane at times, but uh, I do not ever want to see that movie. That trailer is enough, but it was your reactions to it were some of the funniest I've ever heard. So thank you for that. I even like the anatomy of a drop segment, and uh, uh, I hope you continue to keep doing that in future episodes. Uh, but let's see what else to talk about. Um, I'm sure you'll bring this up, but it was sad news to lose uh, Rudger Hauer, who recently passed away this week. And uh, Jason and I texted each other about it, and I realized that Rudger Hauer wrote an autobiography called All These Memories, and uh, I'm, trying, I'm making plans to get it uh, next week. Uh, also, Jaystrom, you uh, announced plans to restart a book club series of episodes for your podcast, and in particular, yes, you want to do the Witcher book series, or at least the first three volumes in the series, I'm and I'm <laughs> making uh, plans to maybe get one or you know the three-volume set that you, uh, po you posted or sent to me, and... Uh, if I can, I'll let you know, and I'll join you. Just let me know how the book club thing is going to work out. Uh, another thing, uh, when you get to your D DVD segment, uh, I don't know if uh, coming soon announcements for titles are ever covered or if you just cover recent releases, but I wonder if you guys heard of the Godzilla box set that Criterion Collection just recently announced. I believe it's like the first 15 movies that was made uh, by the Toho stereo, uh, Studios and uh, going to be a whole bunch of uh, supplemental material. There's like a big hardcover book that's in the box set. Uh, so uh, it's probably going to be quite pricey, but I, I just love that they're uh, wanting to uh, put something like that in their collection. And apparently that's going to be spine number 1000. So they went all out with this uh, recent announcement. But I would definitely get that if it was like marked down in price. 
let's see what what's left. Um, this weekend, of course, is the first weekend of release for Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have reserved tickets for two showings tomorrow, so I'm going to uh, just lose myself in the next thing that Tarantino's making. The advanced reviews so far have been really, really great, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm also making plans to watch a low-budget sci-fi movie that uh, Hugh Jaystrom has expressed interest in and I've watched probably by now called Prospect, which is streaming on Hulu, and I'll watch that, uh, mostly because uh, Monday, if uh, if everything goes to plan, the Jaystrom and I will be recording an episode for my podcast, The Past and the Pending, so I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of that podcast, I am uh, grateful for any feedback uh, that anyone has sent me regarding my recent episode with uh, Adam of the Bay Area. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for any feedback. And uh, Adam and I will probably get together at the beginning of August to record another episode because apparently there were some topics that we didn't get to, and we will go over that next time. But um, anyway, I've rambled on long enough. Good luck with tonight's episode, and I'll check you out later. Bye. All right, Adam. Thank you. You know, what's funny is as you're talking, I'm like making, making a mental check. No, okay, yes, I need to talk about this. Okay, yes, I need to talk about this. Like I'm going down, and then when your voicemail's over, I'm like, okay, what was I? First of all, I wanted to say this. I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show. It's almost like, you know, I'm warming up, and now I've warmed up, and now I can get into this, okay? The brain's working now. Hadouken! Yes. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I learned that this Hadouken! was uh, the Hadouken at Wave Motion Fist from Street Fighter. The guy who created Street Fighter, he said he came up with the Hadouken after Hadouken! watching Star Blazers okay. and the Wave Motion Gun. So uh, the Wave Motion Gun from Star Blazers inspired the Hadouken. <laughs> and when Hadouken! I was watching... It was like after I was recovering from being sick, I was there's a channel on YouTube where this guy just talks about video games. He he does like these little mini doc mini documentaries himself and he was talking all about Street Fighter and I don't even care. I just had it on in the background. Uh-huh. I'm I don't care about Street Fighter that much or whatever. And he goes, "And the Hadouken or Wave Motion Fist was inspired by the battleship Yamato the the tv series wave motion gun and i went what uh, like i said it out loud like turn around and went what the hell did he just say and i like backed it up and i was like holy shit that's awesome and i went and told emma you know like emma okay there's a show and i'm telling her and she's just sitting there like looking at me like i don't know what you're talking about okay that's cool okay, i guess crazy old man okay here's another thing okay that forget that okay Segway. <laughs> Okay, that's my segue music, Stephen. Okay, <laughs> this is episode Entertainment Landfill News, episode 67. But I've gone back to the old format of the show of Entertainment Landfill. You know, we got entertainment. I figured we, the, you know how we go, let's, what's on your TiVo, but yeah. entertainment, let's just make it one segment, you know, uh, the news. Now we're going to do DVDs again, and we got uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Why don't I just 
go back to the last episode of Entertainment Landfall we did was episode 307, Scrum Diddlyumptious. And we did that with Bill. He like returned to the show and we talked about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's how long ago that was. Wow. Why don't we make this episode, Entertainment Landfill News, episode 66, Entertainment Landfill, episode 308. You're going to hyphenate it? I don't know if we'll hyphenate it, but this guy will explain everything. I've just decided to switch our Friday schedule to Monday, which means that the test we take each Friday on what we learn during the week will now take place on Monday before we've learned it. But since the day is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the slightest. Pencils ready. So does that explain what yes. I'm doing there? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's like, I don't want to confuse anyone, but I feel like it's going to happen anyway, because I, I've i been, okay, if you think about it, uh, since Entertainment Landfill, since the show was Nowhere Mulberry became Entertainment Landfill, I was trying to kind of come up with different things. First, I did ETL Daily. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. Before it was Entertainment Landfill News, it was ETL Daily. Yes. And then I was like, well, it's not daily, it's weekly. And sometimes it's bi-weekly, so why don't we call it... Uh, ETL News. ETL News. But the show is not just... We're not just doing news... We're doing. <laughs> Do you, you know what I'm saying, Stephen? You don't want to confuse people thinking we're just a news channel. Yes. We're so, an entertainment. Well, channel. I mean, I don't even think people are concerned. Like, just whatever goes on the feed, they'll news. listen to. Yeah. Pro feeders. So what I'm thinking is this, Stephen. This episode will just be called. Entertainment Landfill episode. Episode. <laughs> Why did my tongue just turn off? And my tongue was like, "Nah, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done." Uh, why don't we just call this episode Entertainment Landfill episode three hundred and eight? Sure. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. <laughs> yes, and uh, so what do you think? Let's do it. Okay, here's another thing. Okay, well, come on, everybody, gather around. Oh, wait, this guy will explain I've it. I've just decided to switch our Friday schedule to Monday, which means that the yes. test we take each Friday well, on what said. we learn during the week will now take place on Monday before we've learned it. But since the day is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the slightest. Pencil. Pencil's ready. <laughs> Pencil's ready, Stephen. I'm ready. All right, we're going to talk about my idea for a new book club in entertainment, and we're going to do that right now. Now. Hadouken! Yes, okay. Hadouken. Now, Stephen. Yes. Let's just. The elephant is in the room. The Dark Tower elephant is in the room. Okay. Yes, okay. <laughs> Long ago. That I hassled you about. Even this week. <laughs> Okay, don't get me wrong. I feel guilty about this. We, no, you don't. We, we came up with a Nowhere in Mulberry book club. It was a great idea. Read all the Dark Tower books, right? Even at the time, 
Here's you how and Bill were like four books ahead of me. This is how long ago it was. You hadn't read them. You'd read like the first read one the a first long time ago. Years, yeah, yeah. And uh, Bill and I recorded the the first three books. We did episodes, podcast episodes of that, which are still available if you want to go back and listen to those. And some people I know uh, have said. I discovered your show by listening to those Dark Tower episodes first. Correct. And I've been waiting for you to do more. Uh, both Bill and I read uh, Wizard in Glass, and there were a couple of times, at least three times we tried to record. I can remember this, and I'm not throwing Bill under the bus here. Not at all. Being here, sitting, waiting, with my book of notes, with my book, with some voicemails ready, ready to record... And for whatever reason, Bill never showed up. So then we planned it again. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And there was a third time. And I said, okay, if this ends up not happening, I'm done. I'm not going to sit here and wait all night on a Friday to see if we record this. It didn't happen a third time. And I was like, I'm done. That's what I just said to myself. I was like, I don't care anymore. We're not going to do this. Uh, at the time now, see... Since then, I've gotten used to... I've done some solo shows. You know, I've done the Chuck Series Companion stuff. I should have just recorded by myself, for God's sakes. Just done something, you yeah. know, just to keep going. Uh, because uh, sometimes people get busy. Now, I uh, recently... Uh, Netflix has announced they're doing this new ser TV series called The Witcher which I thought originally was based on the video game, the Witcher, which the Witcher video games are based on the books. The Netflix series is based on the books too. They're like, no, it's not based on the video games it's based on the books. You know, it's something called literature. Have you guys ever heard of it? And Henry Cavill, the guy who played Superman, yes. he was a huge fan of the Witcher series. He said he's a huge gamer. He's read all the books and he went straight to the, the the lady who's the showrunner, and he said, I need to play Geralt of Rivia. And she was like, oh, well, that's great, but you know, we haven't started casting yet or anything, but we'll keep you in mind. He goes, I was born to play this role. I need to. I know everything about it. I know the history. Uh, I just, she was like, okay, you know, I appreciate Calm your down. enthusiasm. And so she said that they went through, and, you know, they cast that went through hundreds of people and in the back of her head was henry cavill saying i was born to play this role so so they had him come in there and sure enough they thought he was fantastic and uh they cast him as Geralt. now uh i've always been kind of interested i haven't played the games as i said which i don't know how it didn't happen uh it's like 1999 now and it's one of the games of the year you know uh the witcher 3 um but I was always like, yeah, yeah, it's in the back of my mind. I, th I think it looks neat. Now, what The Witcher is about is this world where there's monsters, there's vampires, there's uh, there's dwarves, there's elves, there's uh, uh, witches, sorcerers, and all that kind of thing. Magic exists in this kind of uh, time. And it's a world called the continent. That's all I really know about it. Now, witchers, they're, they're these guys who are brought up and they have their they know they're fighters they they have magic and their sole existence is to 
fight monsters. Like a town has a problem with something. This creature that's just terrorizing them, they send for a witcher. A witcher shows up, and he's like, I'm here... And he assesses the situation. Tells them how much it costs. And he's like, that'll be a thousand gold or something. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And then uh, some witchers are feared throughout the land. They think they're strange. People are like, keep them at a distance. Uh, Some people like are like, we don't want you here or whatever, because they think that the witchers are con men, that they actually bring the monsters there in order to rid the town of them. Like it's a whole scam that they've got going or whatever. So I was like, um, (laughs) Adam, uh, so I was like, this is cool. I'm intrigued. Uh, how many books are in the series? So I looked it up. I was just curious. So you want to read the Witcher books and it has the, the author's name is Andre Sapkowski. Uh, the, the novels, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Six. One just came out last year. So there are six novels, right? But there are two short story collections. They say you must read these first before the first novel because it sets up the whole world and it tells you all about uh, the main characters. And then, boom, you get right in that first novel. You know everything you need to know. So I looked up this. um, this, uh, So you want to read the Witcher books, right? And it's sorted in chronological order on what books you need to read. The first one was called The Last Wish. It's a short story collection. And I was like, all right, that's what I need to read. And it's funny because YouTube, somebody has put all the audiobooks up on YouTube. I don't know how they get away with that. But I started listening to the first book and I was like, yeah, this is good. But, I, you know, I've said before, I like reading books and then I'll listen to the audiobook. Yeah. I thought the guy was very good reading it, though. So uh, I went up to Barnes & Noble today. I, I got the book. And it was funny. The guy who was ringing me up, he goes, hey, which, which book is that in the series? And I go, it's the first book. And he goes, no, I don't think it is. Blood of Elves is the first book. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. No, but this is like a book of short stories. And I read that you should read that first. And he goes, yeah, okay. And he kind of like looked at me like I was full of shit or something. I was like, okay, well, this guy has an opinion, I guess. So, um, so I had this idea. Uh, if anybody else wants to read these books with me, because already I'm having a great time. Re- uh, I'm just at the beginning of the book, and it's fantastic. The whole setup where Geralt of Rivia shows up to this town, and they're having a problem with something called a striga. And it's uh, and it's funny because there are all these different kinds of creatures and stuff. And the the king is like, "Have you dealt with this?" And he's like, "Yes." And he's like, "What about one of these?" And he's like, "Yes, I have many times." And he's like, "What about a striga?" And he goes, "Oh yes, I know how to deal with this." And so uh, <laughs> basically, the the setup is that the daughter, the king's daughter, turned into the striga creature. And it's been terrorizing the town. And he won't let anybody kill it because he knows it's a curse. So he's like, he wants somebody to capture, to get rid of the curse and turn his daughter back to normal. So most people show up and they've got swords and crossbows and they're like, uh, how much to kill a creature? And he's like, do not kill this creature. I want you to cure the creature. And they're like, I'm out of here. And some people show up 
that uh, intend to kill the creature and he has them hanged or he has them killed and he puts their head on a pike to warn other people not to kill this creature. And the guy's like, uh, this creature kills about 50 citizens a year, <laughs> you know, in the town. So they keep, they try to stay far away from the, the old palace. They had to build a new palace because the creature lives in the old one. So Geralt is like, uh, I, c- I can do this. And so you find out that there are other people under the king that don't want him to kill the creature because it's creating such an uproar with this, the town people that they want to get rid of the king because of this disaster of this creature killing him and he won't do anything about it. So they offer him money not to kill the creature, but he's like, I'm an honorable man. I have to kill it or whatever. And I'm just in a part where he finally shows up to the the old palace and he's getting ready and witchers, they have all these vials and potions, these things they drink to help power them up or see in the dark and stuff like that. So it's really cool world building. And I'm really, uh, into this. So, uh, I made a post on Patreon and I was going to do one in the, the Facebook fan club. If anybody wants to read the witcher stories with me now, here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to record a podcast as soon as I finish each book. Like, I think the main problem with the Dark Tower books, as time went on, like, like when you finish a book, you got to, you got to record like right then, you know, when it's fresh in your mind, uh the more time that passes, the more you're screwed. So I intend to record as uh, quickly as possible after finishing each book. And I, what I'm hoping to do is to get through the, the two short story collections relatively fast, and then get right into the first novel, get those three out of the way pretty quickly before the Netflix series starts. Because what I've read is that uh, the Netflix series is pretty much these first three books is what a lot of people are speculating just based on the imagery that you see in the trailer. Right. And already I can see that I believe the Striga, that creature is in the trailer and, uh, so that makes me excited at the same time because you're like, realize what you're reading is like going to appear, you know, whatever. And you know, there, it's so funny because I don't like when game of Thrones is happening, there are people who read the books and they're like comparing it to the books. The books are better. Of course the books are always better. Right, Steven. Yeah. Uh, well this show has the video game fans and the book fans to contend with because already people are like, he's supposed to have two swords and people who read the books are like, no, the witcher has two swords, but he doesn't wear them both on his back. He keeps one on his horse and one on his person. He has a steel sword and a silver sword. The silver sword is for monsters and the steel sword is for people. Um, and just, I see people like that. Uh, and I'm like, do I want all that in my head? <laughs> you know, all this bullshit, but I can separate the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And already, you know, I'm enjoying the character and there's a lot of humor to just what I've read. And here's another thing. It's translated from Polish. The author is Polish. And I was thinking, Hmm, I wonder how much is lost in the translation there. Yeah. But then I think like people read Stephen King in other parts of the world in foreign languages. Yes. They're still reading Stephen King. Right. I mean, hopefully it's translated well and they're getting pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I've, from what I've read, it's very clever and everything and everything translates. Um, I'm not worried. You know what I'm saying? Steven sneezed, so no one hears me opening this coat. Uh, bless you, Steven. Thank you. 
<laughs> hey, uh, Adam, uh, I really enjoyed your voicemail. It was really good, Adam. Hi, this is Adam. I'm at work. <laughs> Echo. No, but uh, guys, so if you're interested in reading the Witcher books with me, Stephen, invitation. If you're interested, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, get that first book. I'm gonna blow right through it. I'm gonna try to read it within a week, uh, and uh, it's fun. I want to, you know, basically immerse myself in this world. I haven't read a book in quite a while. Like the last couple of books that I started, I didn't finish. Because it was something I wasn't interested in. I'm very interested in this. And I'm excited about it. So if you guys are interested. And hopefully you're not too burned by the Dark Tower. Steven, are you still feeling burned by that? The movie? <laughs> yes. I read all the books. I I passed you and read them all. Well, did uh, what I said was, you were like, are you ever going to at least read the last book? And I said, why bother? I've seen the movie. I know how it ends. <laughs> it was like, oh. No, you don't. That's not how it ends. Yeah. So the Witcher <laughs> book club, guys, that's what I'm proposing here. The Last Wish is the first book you need to get, okay? All right. Now, we're going to do the news in a minute. Uh, in a bit, but first, Stephen, this is entertainment, and I'm going to talk about some TV shows. The first one is Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. Apparently, he's like Nathan Drake now. He's traveling the world, and he's preparing food. I don't know if you were able to see this. I was surprised to see it all I on the first episode. Came on, comes on this Sunday. It uh, it came on last week. Uh, oh. National Geographic. I was lucky enough to find it on uh, Hulu also. Okay. So it looks like each episode is going to Hulu the next day. I, just saw an episode, I saw it saying that it was coming on this Sunday, and I thought that was the first episode. Maybe I missed yeah. it. Yeah. It's kind of like, it, it kind of reminds me of other shows he's done where he traveled, and then he meets a chef who lives there. The first episode, he goes to Peru, and there's a, a renowned chef who lives in Peru, and he's like, what if we have a cook-off? I learned about the culture here, and... And then we uh, compete, and these guys like okay. And what's so cool is like, he's like, you know, they live in a high altitude, and there's not, you know, there's there's things that they eat and everything. But he's talking about the different delicacies. One is this delicious delicacy. It tastes like shrimp or calamari. I think you'll love it. And uh, it turns out it's worms, or they look like big, thick caterpillars. And you have to, you find them in cacti on the edge of cliffs. So they have to climb mountains and they have a lasso, lasso down to it, and then pull the uh, cacti off and drag it up, break it open, and then you find the worms inside. And the this guy, you know, he's speaking this language and Gordon's like, what? Whoa. And he's like, oh, he's he's gonna, he needs a pan. He's going to fry it. And he's like, and he pours some oil in there, and then he pulls it out. It's like all hot and steamy, and he gives one to Gordon. And he goes, uh, uh, he th- uh, he's and he takes a bite, and he goes, <laughs> he's like, oh, that's dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's like, I guess that's a delicacy. You have to get used to it. So it doesn't taste like shrimp or calamari. Uh, not to Gordon, but I saw there was an outtake on YouTube where he fries them up. Uh, he makes some eggs, scrambled eggs, and he mixes them in with that. And he says it's much better that way. But just eating them right off the pan was really gross. Maybe you needed some seasoning, some salt and pepper. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to this nice farm where these people live, and there are different ways.
ways of uh, cooking. They make this stew, and uh, there was this stew. It was like uh, potatoes as hard as rocks, and you have to use this rock to smash them into a fine paste. And uh, Gordon is in their house. He's kind of marveling at all the, you know, it's just very rudimentary. And there's little guinea pigs everywhere all over the house. These cute little guinea pigs. Uh, let's check this out, Stephen. This is Peru's Sacred Valley. At towering heights of up to three miles above sea level. It's a unique it's Andean now. ecosystem whose staggering biodiversity once fed the mighty Incan Empire. And now it's going to feed a British chef with a motorbike. I'm heading 5,000 feet further up for a lesson in the ancient art of Andean cooking. Wow. Come on, look at this. Oh, my Lord. It's very beautiful. This is incredible. Now, this is to start from one of the highest parts of the Sacred Valley. And I'm here to meet some farmers that are still farming from this land, but using techniques dating back to the Incas. The family has invited me to dinner a classic Andean dish made from local ingredients, and it looks like I'm plain sous chef. Lawa de Chuno is a soup with an amazing special recipe. So these are the dried potatoes, rice. It's amazing how hard they are. They're solid, they're like pebbles. The next ingredient in our soup is a herb that thrives at 14,000 feet. With this recipe, I can definitely cancel my gym membership. So he does this every day? Oh yeah. He's as fierce as a butcher's dog. With a fistful of herbs and a leg full of bruises, it's off to the family kitchen to get cooking. <laughs> Beautiful. Boy, oh boy. That's extraordinary. Look at this place. And that there, that's obviously the stove. Oh, what's that? Can you please? Hey. Look at them. In the Andes, guinea pigs are known by a different name. Dinner. Wow. Look at that. (laughs) I love it. There's a guinea pig stretched out on a stick, and it's dinner. You're supposed to just chew it. And they're so cute. They're adorable. It actually looks delicious. I mean, seriously. <laughs> the fact is, the live ones are running down there. The bald ones are hanging off the wall. And guess who's next in line? That fairy <laughs> over there at nine o'clock. <laughs> While the guinea pig grows, a sentence I thought I'd never say. Prep continues for the ancient Andean soup. Lawa de Chuno. Cheese. I'd never thought about finishing a lamb and potato soup with cheese. Amazing. And look at that baby. Beautiful. We should open a restaurant together. <laughs> I am dying to taste this. Okay, vamos a probar huh? Okay, guinea pig. It's just hard eating this now when we've just been sat there with them. I don't know about the head. <laughs> I'll go the for the loin. The ball. loin, the loin, the loin. Pretty good. It's like a, a sucking pig. Sí. Excellent. Soup. Like it was good. It's like a, a traditional British old-fashioned Guinea stew, but bacon, this thing's got more depth. <laughs> because it's a high-altitude so sort of cooking, every ounce of flavour you taste individually. 
and really delicious. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Gracias. gracias. That was extraordinary. Uh, it's, it's a neat show. I, I love my favorite is he went out fishing in this uh, river with this guy. He made a raft out of trash and he just has like a fishing line with a hook and he like throws it over his head like a lasso and he fishes all day and Gordon could not get down the lassoing part the and throwing it. He just couldn't get it down. And it was, the guy caught this little tiny fish. So they went and they made a fire and they cooked it and stuff. Uh, it's pretty, pretty cool show. Uh, I, it's neat to see, you know, Gordon, you know, he's got kitchen nightmares and master chef and all that, but I like shows like this where he's traveling around and stuff. It's neat. Kind of Andrew Zimmerman ish. Yeah. Andrew Zimmerman ish. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, Anthony uh, him in him visiting different cultures and stuff and then learning how they, where they get their food from and then him making a meal out of it at the end. And it was when he, he made it for this uh, this town of people, like he had a little cook thing, and they were like, they liked all of it except one thing. He made like heart, like a lamb heart or something. They were like, it's too cold. We don't like it. I thought it was funny, like, you know, Gordon, like he yells at people for, it's raw! But, <laughs> but he was cooking it outdoors, you know, in the ground. So I think he did the best he could. Now, Stephen, I want to talk about another show, Below Deck. This is like one of my favorite reality <laughs> shows, much to Heather's chagrin. She's like, doesn't know why I watch this show. I love Below Deck. People working on a yacht, a multi-million dollar yacht, a billion dollar yacht, I don't know. And they have the rich clientele that come on who uh, like to be waited on hand and foot. And most of the time, uh, you know, not all the time. Sometimes they're really nice people, but sometimes they're assholes. Well, this particular lady, she's not an asshole. She's just kind of, she's like, I don't Blunt. know. She's a billionaire's wife who, she uh, just lives in another world. And they kind of, uh, one of the girls on here explains that you see it all the time with rich people. They're not used to having to think like normal people. They're used to being waited on and they're used to people doing them things for them. So that part of their brain shuts down where they don't know how to do anything themselves. And, <laughs> and it's pretty funny. Uh, another thing is the lady she uh, loves. She keeps talking about her stepson. I love my stepson. Here's my stepson. Isn't he adorable? And they're doing a surprise birthday party for him. And she's like, I want sex dolls. I think it'd be so funny if he gets sex dolls or whatever. And they're like, his wife is right there. This is really weird. But they got to do it. You know, the rich clientele, Stephen, right? So I wanted to play you this clip of this crazy. Re oh, and they made a documentary about this lady called The Queen of Versailles about them building this huge elaborate mansion for her. And I, I haven't seen it, but ugh. But they do go out of their way to say they're very philanthropic, though. So that, that you know, that's okay. Jackie Siegel is a socialite. She and her husband were featured in the documentary, The Queen of Versailles, about the 90,000 square foot mansion they've been building for over a decade. Jackie is eager to take a trip with her friends. Also joining Jackie will be Jackie's son, Steve, and his wife, Janessa. For her son's birthday, the primary would like blow up dolls as a joke. We can do that. I actually know who they are because I'm from that. Florida. Yeah. They're very philanthropic. They give back to the community. That's good. That's fantastic to know. 
I think this is it right here. I don't know. Oh, we're going to get crazy. Welcome. I'm your captain, Sandy. I thought I was going to get a guy captain. Welcome. The deck crew's going to load your luggage, and then we're going to take gotta off. It's got to get old. Good. Yeah. If you follow me, I will show you your home for the next few days. Champagne. Great. Boy, I feel like winded running up those stairs. Do <laughs> you have an elevator here? No. This is uh, one of she my favorite sons right here. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I married into um, acquiring a modern him. miracle. Am I supposed to, like, unpack myself? Or I don't know where Hannah is. Hannah to the bridge. On my way. Our house is so big, we have to use our cell phones to call each other. Hi. Are we supposed to unpack ourselves or? No, we can, I can get one of the girls to unpack for you. I just feel like I'm missing out a little bit. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome. Oh. So she wants us to go and unpack for her. Like if this was in the same bag together, is like this? that goes with that. Oh, there's an outfit? Okay, yeah. sure. This is so classic. Like, I get confused. Like, yeah, what goes no with what? And someone else packed for me. Yeah. I've seen it quite a lot being in yachting. When people have been that baby, it's like that part of their brain just shuts down and they just wait to get told what to do. Oh, here's my baby suit. For her son's birthday, the primary would like blow up dolls. It's a joke. Are we supposed to blow these up with the pump? <laughs> no. With your mouth. There's eight of them and two dolls. So <laughs> you do the math. I've had some really strange things requested on preference sheets, but I've never had a request for blow-up dolls. But the fact that she's giving it to her stepson on his birthday in front of his wife, like, my stepmother usually just gets me a bottle of wine and some chocolates. Are you guys ready, anyone? I want to hold the butterfly. Look at him. Oh, uh, touch my thumb. Hey, so I like... had a butterfly come down and touch my thumb. Wow. And then it's flying around down there. But I think I just scared it. This is something that only like a billionaire could do. But we, 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 we are billionaires. It's so crazy to think so many of the richest people in the world are actually idiots. <laughs> They're idiots. <laughs> but I love like they always have an entourage with them. She's like, look, everybody got a butterfly. And everybody's like, oh, wow. Our house is so big. I have to use a cell phone to call somebody. It's, it's like, like oh. maybe the house is too big. Yeah. And another thing at the end, you know, they always, they're doing all this to get a tip. That's yeah. their livelihood. Like the last people, they gave them like something like 23000 that they all split up. They're like, whoa, great tip. This lady, she keeps talking about she's a billionaire. She's like, I just wanted to give you something. Thank you guys so much. And then the captain, you know, gathers them around. She's like... Oh, it's not bad. We got 13,000. And they're all like, what? And Lily's like, isn't she a billionaire? She gave us like the worst tip of the season. It's just like, I think it's, I don't know if it's because she's a cheapskate or she just has no idea what a good tip is. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just entertained by the show. It's ridiculous. And of course, you know, every episode when they're done with the charter, they all go out drinking and then get in arguments and stuff. It's ridiculous. I've seen like an episode or two you were telling me about. (laughs) I watch it every week. Uh, And it's funny, whenever a season ends, like when this season ends, Below Deck Mediterranean, then Below Deck, the main show, that'll come back in a couple of months. Then when that ends and Below Deck Mediterranean comes back, oh, it's great. (laughs) <laughs> and I've gotten Ross into it. Every once in a while, we text each other about it. <laughs> now, Stephen, I want to talk about an exciting new show on Netflix that I asked you to watch uh-huh. called Blown Away. Uh-huh. It's a glass-blowing competition. Yes. Now, how many episodes did you watch? 
All of them. Oh, you already finished the season? Yes. Okay, wow. <laughs> I watched the first four. The last one I watched is the robot one. Yes. Uh, and basically what it is is these people uh, from all walks of life, they've done glass blowing sometimes in their life. Yes. Uh, one lady, she hadn't done it for years, but yeah. she loves it. Um, yes. Some of them, they're artists. Some work for some place that they blow glass or something. I don't know. They're all like uh interesting personalities wouldn't you say yes like the the first one uh i forgot what was the first competition uh you know they give them some kind of like what we want you to do is to do something that represents this it's it, you brought a picture the first time oh yeah something that's pers- personal a picture of something that means something to you yes and then the second one was something to do with food and, you know, people are like, uh, well, I, I'm all about, you know, like, eventually we're going to run out of food. We're all going to starve. So I want mine to represent this. And the other guy's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And he did this, like, egg with chicken feet sticking out all out of glass. And I think it's it's really cool. Some of them, you can tell, uh, I like the reveal at the end. You know, the most of the yeah, show... Yeah, they do the, the gallery showing thing. Yeah, when the show begins, the guy gives them the concept. Then it shows them working it out, like their concepts, their drawing with chalk on the ground, what they're going to do. And then the bulk of the episode is them working on it, them blowing the glass, them dropping it and destroying what they've created. Happens quite a bit. Yes. And uh, what's funny is I didn't actually get any anxiety until... The robot one. Because before, you're not sure what concept they're working on. They're just kind of working on something, and you see them drop it. But now that you see them working on something that looks like a robot or something, you're like, oh, I know what this needs, what this looks like. And what, oh, shit. And then they drop it, and it's like, oh, you kind of start feeling anxiety about it. Did you ever get like that as you're watching them? Like, don't drop it. No. You didn't ever, uh, like, when they're like, okay, I just need to tap this. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Break. No. <laughs> Did you have anyone you rooted for? Yes. I mean, you know who wins. I don't. Yet. Yes. Uh, the one, the one guy who did the, the chicken and the egg. His stuff was so cutesy, you know, kind of kitschy. I, I, to and me, he, I, 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 uh, I equated it to a high school art student stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His art, their artwork. Yeah. It's like it didn't seem professional in that sense right and everything was real tiny yes and then he would and he'd, he'd be the first always to like leave. an hour and a half he'd left. be like well i'm done and he would take off and they're all like whoa this guy's done already but he uh never impressed anybody with his no. stuff i guess uh-uh now there's one lady that lady i with thought the he should have been the first one to go <laughs> yeah uh, deborah the, la- the yeah the lady with the mangs she's pretty intense isn't she yeah I like one, uh, they put the, when you're done with your project, you put it in this, like, f- refrigerator type thing. No, uh, the annealer. The, it's a, uh, it, is it heated? It's heated. It's slowly It's just a lower of, temperature. It's like, right. I think they said around 500 degrees, or less than, under 500. So you got they open, said one of the, in a later episode, you'll see, one of the annealers was too hot. Oh. And and they had to move, he had the, one of the contestants had to move it to a cooler one. You know, it's like, oh no, my my stuff will melt. <laughs> What's interesting about the show is it's a a reality show on Netflix, 
so so often we've seen reality shows that build up to a commercial break, like dun, 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 like something breaks and then they're like, oh my God, cut to commercial. When it comes back, they repeat what we just saw again. Yes. This doesn't have any commercials, so there's none of that. It just keeps going. Yeah. There, there's not much for drama there, and the shows are really short, like 23 minutes long or whatever. Yeah, I think the longest one's like almost 30. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's that. the first episode is the longest, like 29 minutes. Yeah, because a lot of it was like explaining, this is our place, and this is what we have. And Do you like the name of the one area? The Glory Hall? The Glory Hall. <laughs> yeah. That reminded me of an old uh, news story we did uh <laughs> We had a news clipping where the guy kept saying glory hole, and Bill and I were cracking up. He was like a reporter. Glory hole? Can you say that? <laughs> yeah, he just kept saying glory. So whenever they talk about, uh, you know, it's like this heated hole that you stick your project in to keep it hot or heat it back up. Heat it back it's up. called the glory hole. Yeah. And whenever the guy mentions the glory hole in each episode, I'm just like, that reminds me of that one reporter guy. Glory hole? Can you say that? <laughs> yeah, that guy. So I have a clip here, kind of like how an episode begins and how they kind of work on the concepts. This is a robot episode. We've built North America's biggest hot shop. It's a hot shop. Ten exceptional glass blowers push themselves to creative extremes. If they can survive our fiery competition, they'll win a life-changing prize package. Now seven remain. Battling the clock and the sweltering heat of our furnaces. I'm Nick Uhas, and this is Blown Away. You know who this guy is? You've seen him anywhere before? Never heard of him. Good morning, glass blowers. Imagine this it's 2050. We all have access to supercomputer robots. Today in the Hot Shop, we want to see you create a robot that fully embraces the concept of daily life in the future. Glass blowing is a centuries-old tradition that dates from Roman times, 2,000 years ago. How do you want to see what we do parlayed into the future? What is your robot going to look like, and what is your robot going to do? But before you get to work, I want to introduce someone who analyzes trends and makes predictions. (laughs) Please welcome Jesse Hirsch. It's always somebody, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? As a futurist, I spend a lot of time thinking about robots. So what I'd really like to see is something that I've never conceived of before. I'd like to see you come up with robots that are original enough that maybe they change the way we think about our future with them. We don't want your robot to kill us. (laughs) That would be bad. Terminator. Five hours to design, create, and present an original piece of blown glass art. Think outside of the box and think into the future. You'll be evaluated on your technical skill, how well you follow the creative brief, and how much creative bravery you show in your artwork. The future starts now. Oh, this, all of them were doing the robot dances. I have never made a glass robot before. I want to Ooh, make something that would enclose <laughs> nanotechnology that would clear air to breathe. A little bit of a steampunk style gas mask. 2050, men will be able to have babies with the Embito robot. Can't wait. Man bun in the oven robot. I'm drawing blanks. The other ideas have come pretty quickly. There's something called the horror vacuum. When an artist is given a blank page, doubt, doubt about creativity sets in. Thinking, I'm going to design a robot for the 
to the home. I'm designing a anonymous face with a bunch of ears on the back of its head. What I do in my day job is actually um, a lot of uh, data visualization with data analysis. It's anticipating what is going to be the next trend in the future. A lot of this is tied to the cloud. So that's my idea is essentially to do a clear cloud. He's getting it ready for me to blow. Now, Stephen, when you're watching this, the concept part, is it painful to you? Or not really. No, some of their uh, concepts. Some are of them are are just like they don't really have it. It, it was kind of like the the next great artist one too. It's like mm-hmm. you know, it's like here's a concept. You got four hours to go. It's yeah, like, it, it doesn't an art. It doesn't work that way for me, anyways. I, there's no way that I could do that in. I almost felt like hours. as long as the, the glass blowing was really good, you pretty much would move on to the next round. Yeah. If it just wasn't awful. I thought a lot of people that got have gotten eliminated in the first four episodes had pretty shoddy stuff. Or one guy did They were very, uh, and, and, uh, like I said, very amateurish, the first few rounds. Yeah, the yeah. guy who did the food thing, it was looked like these Yonish. planters or something. Or yeah. like flowers or something, and they're oh, just like that one. They're that just guy. like this. Really, didn't have a lot to do with the concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And he's the one who's like, yeah, I really don't like food. I don't like to have to eat. Yeah, pick, he's like, I don't want to have to pick things to eat. He's like, it I'm not interested. Bother to I've eat. heard that about uh, Anderson Cooper or whatever. He's like, I don't care about food. I'm not interested in it. I just eat it to stay alive. I guess there's people like that. I don't know. It's interesting. No, the one who won Giannis, he was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought all his stuff was probably the most uh, technically nicely done. You know, the the most, most I forget the the girl who did the like uh, it was like a footprint in a light source yeah. kind of thing. That was neat looking. Kind of reminded me of something from that Hideo Kojima game. I had a baby inside of it or something. But um, the robot one. The lady did the. It was the thing for a man could giving could give birth. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, this is very interesting." And I'm like, "Is it though?" <laughs> but I guess it is. I don't know. Uh, everything about her creeps you out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say creeps me out. It's just I think she's just trying too hard to be weird. Maybe you know. I think she's on the spectrum a little bit. Yeah. I believe the one guy, uh, what's Janosch? Is that who you're yeah. talking? He has the kind of short hair, but it's kind of like a bang thing yeah. going here. He seems pretty talented. Yeah, he was really talented. He seemed like a he seriously. Uh, he seemed like a pretty serious dude, but he seemed like a very talented artist. And I wonder, like neon lights, is that a form of glass blowing? The forming letters out of yeah, glass. It is. Can glass blowers make the lights? Or is that totally something different? I think it's totally different because I think they're already tubes, and all you're doing is you you heat up at angles to make the the letters. Right, because when they had said we want you to make a light source, and yeah. I was like, "Ooh, you could make some kind of word out of neon," but I was like, "Wait, can they do neon? I don't know. Probably don't not." Because I mean, I don't know if they would have access to the neon and all that. Now you finished, and, and I thought Deborah should have been let out on that one. Mm-hmm. The hand was just terrible. Oh, I know. When she kept saying, "I want it to be like a stop," you know, like a stoplight with this a. This should be on know. every street corner in New York. No, it shouldn't. I thought it was going to at least look like a hand, but it kind of looked like the a bad mitt. oven mitt. Yeah, it looked like the oven mitt from the commercial, like the 
hamburger helper yeah. oven mitter. So there's like real fat, like cartoon fingers. Yeah, that wasn't good. And sometimes you um, you see they have some kind of neat concept, but then they drop it and have to start over again. Yeah. And that kind of it's a neat show. I thought it was pretty neat. There's something fascinating about glass blowing. And so far, I haven't seen anybody burn themselves in the first four episodes. And I don't think anybody so, really does. I mean, they've done it for a long time. They know how to not hurt themselves. Well, you see, I don't know if you've paid attention, but there's there's a big board. And while they're working it, somebody's holding it, protecting their arm from yeah. the heat. Yeah, each contestant has an assistant who yeah. just is there and... Uh, if they're doing the detailed work, then they're holding a board, protecting them from the heat. If not, they're in the back rolling and What's blowing. so weird? They have that long uh, pole, and they've got their glass project, and they're like, okay, blow, blow. And you see a guy over there going, and he's just like the assistant. It's his job to blow. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's funny. So are like, you- I know you have to be real careful because you don't want the heat to blow back. That's why you see him. Yeah. I was wondering, what if you if you sucked instead of blown, would you die? You fry your lungs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good, Stephen. He's getting it ready for me to blow. Now, what did you think of the show, now that you've watched the whole season? Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Cool. I'll, I'll tr- uh, finish it up this week, and then we'll talk about the finale, the final episode. What's, uh, I think what you win is like $60,000, and you get to go to some school with this You're renowned... to the Corning School. Uh, yeah, the a, Corning... For uh, uh, Glass a, a, uh, technology or something. Yeah. But you get an, not an internship, a residency. Yeah. Corning. Like, it's really serious shit. I don't know for how shit. long, if it's like a year, mm-hmm. whatever, however. It's like, something like, uh, it's a renowned place for gospelers, because yeah, when he first tells them that, the Corning Institute, they're like, ooh. Well, yeah. Oh. I won't say anymore, but, I mean, yeah, okay. they, but they, yeah, they, um, yeah, they, they bring the guy who heads it to judge the last one. Nice. Okay, cool. I mean, that doesn't give anything away. (laughs) Okay, I want to talk about one last show, and then we're going to take a break. Sure. We'll come back. We'll do the news and DVDs. Um, This show is called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's a show Jerry Seinfeld created where each episode um, he drives a car that he thinks represents the person that he has on here. Like this new season on Netflix, he had Eddie Murphy, Seth Rogen. What's funny is because, uh, when he, the Eddie Murphy one is like an hour long, each show is like 15 to 20 minutes, but this one's like an hour long with Eddie Murphy. And, uh, they talk about all sorts of stuff, but he talks about who, uh, was your hero when you were a kid. And he said, Richard Pryor and uh, Jerry Seinfeld talks about like he loved Bill Cosby and he listened to Bill Cosby's albums and he was really like uh, inspired by them. And I'm, I think it's weird. They just kind of blow past that and don't really say anything else about Bill Cosby. Right. But they're talking about other things. And all of a sudden, Eddie Murphy goes, you know, Bill Cosby, he always treated me like shit. And Jerry's like, oh, interesting. What do you mean? And he's like, he was always really mean to me. He never said anything like, uh, encouraging. like encouraging. He just like 
you know, you tell me I, know, I use we, we fil- always hear the act where you know when he talks about it's like you're using filthy language. Yeah, you're using foul language. And Jerry's like, yeah, I never understood that. Where's he to tell you how to do your act? Every comedian's different. And he goes, yeah, he's just always a jerk to me. I don't understand. And he goes, what about Richard Pryor? And he goes, Richard Pryor is always great to me, except if I ever showed up somewhere to watch him do stand up. Richard Pryor would go, oh, hell no. And he wouldn't go on. And he was like, I'm here with my buddies and we're all just going to laugh our asses off at Richard. And he's like, no. And it's like he didn't want to perform for me like he had to compete with me. But I didn't look at it that way. So later on, uh, the next episode, Seth Rogen's on there. And they're talking about like, you know, we've met before. And he's like, yeah, we were at the Bill Cosby thing. And they're like, yeah, we're at the thing where they honored... Bill Cosby with this uh, comedian of the year or something, lifetime comedian achievement or something. And he goes, do you know why Bill Cosby got that award? And he goes, no, why? And he goes, because I turned it down. I don't believe comedians should get awards. We're just, our job is to make people laugh. That's our award. And he's like, wow, that's interesting. So they're sitting there for a long time and there's like silence. He goes, you know, um, that was when I found out. And he's like, found out what? You know, Jerry's like, found out what? And he goes, Bill Cosby raped all those women. And he's like, really? And he's like, uh, that one comedian. Oh, God, I'm blanking on his name. This one black comedian, he started doing it in his act, telling people, you know, Bill Cosby has been raping women like his whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've almost got his name on the tip of my tongue. But he goes, he told me that night we were watching Bill Cosby talk to these crowd. And he goes, hey, you know what? He's raped hundreds of women. And he was like, what? He's like, Bill Cosby's raped hundreds of women. He's like, you're kidding me. What are you talking about? And he kind of told him all about it. And then he started doing it in his Hannibal Burris. Yeah, yeah. He started doing it in his act. And then pretty, pretty soon everyone was talking about it. And everyone knew. And Jerry's like, wow, isn't that something? And they just kind of sit there looking at each other. It's like a long pause. And he's like, oh, that was an uncomfortable pause. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, because yeah, Hannibal Burris talked about how Bill Cosby talked about giving women Spanish fly in the sixties and and having it's sex like, with them. Yeah, Spanish fly that. is not a thing, dude. You're like drugging them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he has this lady on here who I don't. You'll hear her name in the clip. But here's something interesting, Jerry. He's very positive about everyone you know he's loves talking about comedy with everyone uh he's not generally negative i mean sometimes he's negative about the world or whatever but he's not negative about people and he doesn't trash talk people but she brings up somebody that's a dear friend of hers and he just goes off on the guy and she's like oh my god and he just won't stop talking bad about the person but they never say the guy's name and I want you to listen to this and tell me who you think he's talking about, okay? Because they never tell you his name, but he leaves a clue here. Okay, check this out. Which is why it's the perfect car for my very special guest today, Bridget Everett and Poppy, one of the most exciting nightclub cabaret performers I have ever seen. I always want people to have a real experience of my... I like it when people walk out. You know, so like, I don't love it. Like, but I like it that they're having like a reaction and they just like, they got to get out of there. I did have a really good time with you one time. Yeah. And you had a couple glasses of wine. That was delightful. When you get Jerry Seinfeld a couple glasses of wine in them, you're going to have a real good time. I got to find more, more hobbies, more interests. Why? 
You're assuming that the world is interesting. It's not. So who it's was not. the first person you saw when you were a kid? John Belushi on Saturday Night Live and Animal House. Like, I just felt like so electrified by him. Yeah. Really, really sad, yeah. like when, when he died. And sometimes it's sad and sometimes it's beautiful. Yeah. They did get it out yeah. there for us. Yeah. That crazy thing that they had. Yeah. There was no other way for that to go. You know, my I'm good friends with and that's his I don't friend. like him. I, <laughs> at all. Oh, no. At all. In <laughs> fact, I have a particular <laughs> feeling about him. Oh, I had kind of forgotten about him. Mm -hmm. And then there was a little article about him in the paper. Mm -hmm. And even in that, there was a veiled reference to his dislike of what I did. Really? Anyway, it didn't have my name, of course. He used to rail against comedians because they weren't as wild and dangerous yeah. as he yeah. was. Because he sucked. <laughs> okay? He wasn't funny. Yeah. And that's why he didn't get anywhere. Yeah. Period. This feels, I feel very tense right now. Because <laughs> in comedy, yeah. nobody gives a f yeah. if you're cool, if you're lame, uh -huh. yeah. if you're funny, you win. Yeah. If you're not funny, you yeah. don't. And yeah. he's not funny. That's why I had to do that stupid voice. Because you have no act. It's a clue. I feel very stressed. Yeah. You could tell him, by the way, as all of that. As soon as he said the about the voice, I and thought that's I why he didn't like me. Because I could actually do it. I can, do it. I can do it. I can do comedy. Yeah. But you can. He can't. <laughs> That's I thought it was one of two like people me. when he yeah. said, you think you're about. edgy and oh my cool. God. <laughs> that's when I knew it wasn't Gilbert I've never Godfrey. seen you like this before. Yeah, I've never been like this before. <laughs> I think he's fun, friend. And I'll tell you where else it came from. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everything's fun. Standardized place. <laughs> that's not who I thought it was. That's interesting, though. Because, yeah, that makes you're not sense. scary or dangerous. Oh, my you're God. Just, you're just weak. On stage, that's what you are. Weak. Oh my God. You're a weak act. I, I love him. <laughs> oh, this. You can love him. He, he's going to need the love because he's not going to get it from oh the public. My God. Because you don't have any skills. Oh my God. You don't have any talent. Oh my God. <laughs> you have some people you don't care for. Yeah, I got a couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a couple. So I was like, who is he talking about when he said that stupid voice? Another comedian we know who talks in a dumb voice, Bobcat Goldthwait. That's who I was thinking. He was like, talking like But this. I don't think he thought he was edgy or cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure. So Dice fits that bill. And I know Emo Phillips never thought he was edgy or cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... But the, Dice I, doing the voice, you know, yeah, the, so the Brooklyn good, good, voice. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's possible. And, that would uh, be my guess. And I tried to look and see <laughs> if anyone else, um, to see if anybody else is speculating. And other people are. Like, I looked <laughs> up and it's like, who is Jerry talking about? Oh! And uh, we will talk more about that <laughs> during the news segment after this break, guys. So we'll be right back, guys, and we'll do the news. We're dealing with a couple geniuses here. It's coming soon to a television set near you. 
an incredibly advanced video game system. Are you ready for these amazing graphics and vibrant colors? Can you handle the speed and the power? How about the capacity for stereo sound and for five players? You decide before September because it's coming. TurboGrafx-16, the higher energy video game system. Games sold separately. Then you get the fever, then you got the fever for the flavor of a Pringles. Once you taste the fluffer, you oh. need help. Once you taste the flavor, then you get the fever. Then you got the fever for the flavor of a Pringles. Yeah. Once you taste the flavor, it's the deep fried taste. Then you get the fever, it's the crispy crunch. Then you got the fever for the flavor of a Pringles. Wait till you taste Pringles now. These wimps sure know how to make EA mad. Mistake. I'm going to get them guys. I'm going to make them pay for messing up my ride. The A-Team, Tuesday. Wednesday, Real People kicks off with an off-the-wall bunch of happy home records. And will Fred's chance for the bigs slip through his fingers? Then is Joe in love. What is she doing? She's doing just fine. Facts of love. NBC's got it all. Wednesday. Right from the start, Amico Premium Lead Free gives this Saab 900 Turbo faster acceleration. It's the highest octane lead free you can buy. And it's the same high performance gasoline that helps stop engine run on in this 79 compact. Whether you're driving a four year old compact or a high performance car, you expect more from Amico. And premium performance is one way you get it. This is the taste. This is the test. Pepsi versus Coke. The Pepsi Challenge. Pepsi. And all across America, more people pick Pepsi. Pepsi. Time after Pepsi. time after That's time. Fun. Oh, what a time. It's gonna be Pepsi now. The winning taste is Pepsi. It's gonna be, gonna be, gonna be Pepsi now. Taste what Pepsi's giving. It's gonna be, gonna be, gonna be Pepsi now. Oh, my head is ringing. Where is my Tylenol? Take three. Three tablets? No, Anison 3. It's 100% aspirin-free. I didn't know Anison 3 is aspirin-free. I've got a choice. Right. Like Tylenol, Anison 3 is 100% aspirin-free and contains the aspirin-free ingredient doctors recommend most. Feeling better? Headache's gone. Thanks to Anison 3. Anison 3. 100% aspirin-free. <laughs> The new, more powerful 1985 Toyota Supra and Dan Journey take on the Big Apple. The Supra's twin cam electronically fuel-injected six roars up Fifth Avenue. The four-wheel disc brake set up the high-speed turn across town. The independent suspension absorbs the punishment of city streets. Other Dan feels surrounded by all this luxury? This is fun! With the George Washington Bridge in sight, Dan and the Supra have brought new meaning to the term rush hour. This is the right stuff! Some people just can't wait to get their hands on our big men. That's why we get them to you just as fast as we can. Meep, meep. Can I help you, sir? Meep, meep. Okay, one big man, one large fry, one chocolate shake. Meep, meep. To go, right? They just can't wait for that 100% all-American beef Big Mac. Right, to go. People can't wait for a Big Mac at McDonald's, partly because we won't let them. Pass service, McDonald's and you. Meep, meep. 
Remember Polaroid's One Step, the world's simplest camera? We sold millions. Well, here's the new One Step, the 600, made for our 600-speed film. And look at the pictures you get now. You get better skin tones with our infrared sensing. And our tiny flatter flash helps eliminate that burned-out flash look. Only $24.95. A nice price for a nice gift for a nice person. Like me. Right, kids? Kids? Right. Told you. <laughs> Jennifer, an aspiring actress who's showing us her unhappy look. Jennifer is unhappy because she's wearing a saggy diaper that leaks. Well, here's Huggies, Jennifer. Huggies are form-fitting disposable diapers with soft, gentle elastic to help stop leaking. So Huggies hug to help keep babies dry and comfortable. Thick, absorbent Huggies diapers help keep babies dry. So now you're showing us your happy look, right, Jennifer? Monday through Fridays is when they rule the late night. On the scene of your TV screen, they keep it tight. 9 p.m. is when you catch the Montel show. 10 p.m. is when Marvin Roll gives you more. So turn it on. Tune in to talk show heaven. KDLI, Channel 27. Montel and Mari, they the baddest compilation. Keep your ears and eyes locked to this TV station. The Montel and Mari show. It's the Montel and Mari show. What? It's the Montel and Mari show. It's the Montel and Mari show. Mrs. Pauls asked people how we could improve fish fillets. Use a larger piece of fish. Less breading. <laughs> Fewer calories. Introducing Mrs. Pauls lighted natural fish fillets. They're twice as thick as ordinary fillets and have 40% less breading. They're under 300 calories and they're microwavable. They're everything you've ever wanted in a fish fillet. You could give them away. Well, almost everything. New lighted natural fish fillets from Mrs. Pauls. Monday on Love, Sydney. Marry her. Will Lori really go through with it and tie the knot? And on Family Ties, will Mallory's friend have to? She's pregnant. Panasonic invites you to step ahead of your time to a Panasonic video camera that adjusts to light, even low light, and focuses automatically. To a stereo video recorder that records from TV or from light with forehead technology for jitter-free effects from slow motion to stop motion. Step ahead of your time to a Panasonic Omnivision video system. More than just slightly ahead of its time. Come at long last, the most advanced production car on the planet. A new Chevrolet Corvette like never before. A Corvette superb in its engineering and technology and defiant in its performance. Feel the performance of the world's first computer-activated manual transmission. A Corvette with never-before-available unidirectional turbine fin wheels and tires individually engineered for all four corners. Liquid crystal displays, 14 separate instrument readouts, English or metric, all updated 16 times every operating second. An 
available Delco Bose stereo with four never-before speakers, separately engineered for sound that's out of this world. The most advanced production car on the planet is now called Corvette. Chevrolet is taking charge. Neither rain nor snow, <laughs> clothes will keep me from delivering this remarkable new diaper. New fitted Pampers, which stay dry gathers. Pampers are fitted. Terrific. Now they help protect your baby from wetness right down to his toes. Pampers' new stay dry gathers mean a drier baby on the outside. And they still have the cushion quilted lining? <laughs> yep, that helps keep baby dry on the inside. That's wetness protection right down to his toes. New fitted Pampers at a Pampers price. A Pampers price? Great. New fitted Pampers help protect your baby against wetness right down to his toes. I could use some wetness protection right now. New Prell, that's who, with special new silkeners and hair that feels soft and silky after. one arcade hit from Atari and Nemco. You're behind the wheel of a Grand Prix racer with all the horsepower you can handle. Maybe even a little too much. Pole position. Atari's most realistic video game ever. Now in the arcades. And for the Atari 5200 Super System, it's just around the corner. Pole position from Atari. How'd they do it? Where'd it go? I don't wish it. It's good, you know. Purchase 100%. You wonder where caffeine went. RC 100's for me. Great cola taste caffeine free. For great taste, now there's two. RC 100's for you. Regular and sugar free. RC 100. RC 100. Purchase 100%. You wonder where caffeine went. RC 100 regular and sugar free. Well, well, well. All right, guys, we are back and we are ready to talk some news. That's right. Some entertainment news, that is. Let's do it, Steven. Let's do it. Now, Steven, that was the entertainment music. Let's do the news. <laughs> there we go. What the hell, man? Steve, on amount of practice, I played the entertainment music instead of the news music. Uh, you dumb bastard, you're going to pay for that. I, I'm sorry, okay, I'll try to do better. Now, um, their first news story, of course, Rudger Hauer passed away. It was very sad. Yes. I wanted to read this story. Hopefully you can't hear my dog hacking something up. Blade Runner director Ridley Scott remembers gentle giant Rudger Hauer. This on Bleeding Cool. 
Rogue replicant Roy Batty, played by the late Rudger Hauer, was one of the most iconic characters, not just in science fiction films, but in modern cinema history. Hollywood legend Ridley Scott directed Hauer in the role in 1982's Blade Runner, which starred a still-on-the-rise Harrison Ford. Uh, okay, he'd already been in Star Wars. In honor, <laughs> in honor of the late Dutch actor's passing, Scott released the following statement. Rudger was a gentle giant. I don't know who was more nervous on that first morning of the first day on set in 1982. I think the film is called Blade Runner. We helped each other through the entire process because it was very challenging. I'll miss him. He thinks the film is called Blade Runner? <laughs> yeah, he's not sure. Howard's career spans five <laughs> decades with over 150 credits to his name in TV and film. He was a versatile character actor playing whatever was required of him, whether a blockbuster like Batman Begins and Sin City. I don't remember him in Sin City. Or the cult classic like Hobo with a Shotgun or Buffy with Vampire Slayer. I do remember him in that. He killed a friend of mine in uh, Blind Fury. Yep, that's right. Blind Fury. <laughs> that's a fun movie. Blind Fury. And that filmed here in Texas. Yes. When Howard sat down with IndieWire, he discussed ad-libbing during Betty's final speech and how Scott liked the change. I was hoping to come up with one line where Roy, because he understands he has very little time, expresses one bit of the DNA of life that he felt and how much he liked it. Only one life. Batty was far from an antagonist with nefarious purposes. He wanted to live beyond subservience and as an equal. He defends himself and others like him as needed, and he even saves Deckard, making the audience question their existentialism. Though we see the film through the eyes of Deckard, understanding Batty becomes an exercise of empathy. Could we see ourselves, ourselves beyond the labels we place? Are the feelings of sentient beings any less than their creators, or are they more? Uh, I do. I said this once uh, recently. Uh, it was a symposium I was conducting, Stephen. No, I just I thought this was that I've seen Blade Runner many times now, mm -hmm. as you have. Roy Batty, the Rutger Hauer's the heart of the film. Rick Deckard's pretty dull. I mean, I'm seeing this as a guy who's watched Blade Runner many times. He's not that interesting. Let's face it. Rick Deckard is not that interesting. Roy Batty, on the other hand, he's very interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yes. What do you think? Is that outrageous? Is it outrageous? No, not to think that. I think it's uh, perfectly fine. I mean, he's uh, he's incredible as Roy Batty. You know, what's so funny is after he died, and this happens on, like, uh, Twitter and stuff like that, is people become competitive. Like, well, yeah, you guys are all talking about Blade Runner, but this film, Hobo with a Shotgun, he was incredible in that. It's like, there's this isn't a competition. Of course, he's great in Hobo with a Shotgun. <laughs> He's great in Blind Fury. He's great in Lady Hawk. That's the point. He was always great in everything he did. This isn't yes. a friggin' uh, competition, you know? It can be if you want it to be. But excuse me for just... The first thing I think about when he died was Tears and Rain. That's this iconic scene. And don't tell me there's a scene like that in Hobo with a Shotgun, all right? Right. Yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking about robots. 
So do I, or replicants. But I thought that was very sad. Rudger Hauer, great actor. All right, Stephen, I want to get into another did, story. Did it say what, how he, what, what was his cause of death or anything? Uh, no, I have not read that anywhere. Uh, I figured maybe heart attack, something like that. Stephen, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone reunite the family in Zombieland Double Tap trailer. New additions like Zoe Deutsch and Rosario Dawson feature in the first trailer for the Ruben Fleischer-directed film. The Zombie Slayers are back in the first trailer released this Thursday for Zombieland Double Tap, the anticipated sequel to 2009 Zombieland, overrated, never really cared about the film at all. I don't know. I've talked about it a long time ago on the show, but I finally watched it. Yeah. And like the op- just the opening credits and stuff like that. Uh, my wife's trying to call me and I'm doing a show. <laughs> um, but I never liked Zombieland. I thought it was trying way too hard. And uh, I it's... thought, and I had a real problem with the third act of the film, how the whole climax of the film involves uh, Abigail Breslin and Emma Stone's characters deciding to leave Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson and go off on their own to a carnival or like Six Flags type of place. It was the pier there in Yeah, her sister always wanted to go. They decided to go without them and go alone to this place. Yeah. Putting themselves in complete jeopardy and it made no sense and it was stupid. And well, everything was like, well, I heard this area is safe. We're going to go there. Yeah. Right, right. So, anyway, here's the trailer. You want to watch it, Steven? Sure. All right. Oh, fuck. (laughs) First of all, I hate when they do a little preamble to the trailer. Just show me the trailer. Hey, Possum <laughs> Sorry, just you in that chair. I think it would have made a damn fine president. You would have brought a real dignity to the office. You're welcome, America. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. But do you know what I would like? I don't give a shit what you mean. It felt so good to be on the move again. Oh Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. My sister is gone. She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley. You don't have weed, do you? (laughs) Do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Boom. Yeah. I have nothing against hippies. I just want to beat the shit out of them. We're going to go get her. We ride it, dog. Start talking. You first. My name's Tallahassee.
Jeez, little Elvis. Okay, is it me or does, does he kind Wilson. of remind you of? I don't, I don't like you, you at all. all. I think you double parked <laughs> or more perpendicular parked. Hope we don't get a ticket. What is going on here? What? Hello, everyone. Am I hallucinating? Okay, Stephen, why do I hate this mo- these movies so much? <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a zombie movie comedy, but why does it turn me off so much? I don't know why, but I'm just like, when I see Thomas Middleditch there at the end, I'm like, oh, why is he in this? I just get annoyed. Why do I care? I don't know. You're crazy. What do you think about the trailer? Looks fun? Looks Just a silly movie. Just a dumb movie. They're killing zombies and stuff like that, and... I don't. I just. I didn't like the first film, so I'm not looking forward to this at all. So whatever. All right, Stephen. Now let's talk about The Witcher. The first trailer for Netflix's Witcher shows off a ripped Geralt. The fantasy series is bursting with moments. Geralt of Rivia comes to life in this first trailer for Netflix's The Witcher. Last October, the streaming service revealed that Henry Cavill's long, sleek, silver wig reactions were mixed. But during its San Diego Comic-Con panel, Netflix revealed the series' first full trailer, and seeing the Monster Hunter come to life in this trailer solidifies Cavill's claim to the role. Just look at that hair, those rippling muscles. All right, stop it. Geralt has a dichotomy of being very hard on the exterior because that's how he thinks the world is. But deep down, there's this man who has a belief of what the world can be. Don't expect the Netflix series to strictly follow the game's version of the story. As reiterated at the panel, the show is meant to be an adaptation of the original fantasy series by Andrei Subkowski. This means, among other things, that... Oh, whatever. At the, uh, so anyway, let's watch the trailer. Stupid story, Steve. Remember hearing stories about witches? Witches. Is it true what they say? Elves are the original sorcerers of the continent. When humans and monsters arrived, elves taught the humans how to turn chaos into magic. And then... Chaos is the most dangerous thing in this world. But without control, chaos will kill you. So that's all life is to you? Monsters and money? It's all it needs to be. Something out there waits for you. This child will be extraordinary. Yennefer. Imagine the most powerful woman in the world. Do you have what it takes? I've got her here. She's why they came. You can't outrun destiny just because you're terrified of it. It's coming. do this without you. No matter what you choose, you'll come out bloody. Cool. You can see there, like, he took one of those vials that makes his face look weird. I think it looks pretty bitchin'. What do you think, Steven? Yeah, looks good. Definitely check that out. 
I'm ready. I'm sign me up, man. I'm ready to read the books. I'm already. I'm set to go, man. Now I saw this story, Stephen. I thought was funny. I saw it on Twitter first that Damon Lindelof tells Alan Moore "f you," and then you know I read the story, and that's not quite what he says, but it's pretty funny. Let me explain this a bit. Uh, Damon Lindelof is doing a Watchmen series for HBO. Watchmen original creator Alan Moore is not thrilled about HBO's new adaptation. According to the network's president of programming, Casey Bloys, Damon Lindelof says he's moving full steam ahead with this message. F you, I'm doing it anyway. But Lindelof isn't actually trying to start a war with the comic writer. When addressing the room of reporters at the summer edition of the Television Critics Association, Lindelof explained that Moore's decision to distance himself from the new adaptation of his graphic novel is an ongoing wrestling match. I don't think that I've made peace with it, he said. Alan Moore is a genius, in my opinion, the greatest writer in the comic medium, and maybe the greatest writer of all time. Okay, don't blow too much smoke up his ass there. He's made it very clear that he doesn't want to have any association or affiliation with the Watchmen ongoing and that we not use his name to get people to watch it which i want to respect damon lindelof's personal overtures to explain what his new adaptation of the graphic novel would be Moore remains steadfast in his decision to separate himself from the project and won't consult on the series a stance that he's taken for years as someone whose entire identity is based around a very complicated relationship with my dad, who I constantly need to prove myself to and never will, Alan Moore is now that surrogate Lindelof jokes. The wrestling match will continue. I do feel like the spirit I do feel like the spirit of Alan Moore is a punk rock spirit, a rebellious spirit. And then if you would tell Alan Moore a teenage more in 85 or 86, you're not allowed to do this because Superman's creator or Swamp Thing's creator doesn't want you to do it. He would say, F you, I'm doing it anyway. So I'm channeling the spirit of Alan Moore and telling Alan Moore, F you, I'm doing it anyway. He then immediately followed it up with, that's clickbait, guys, clickbait. Boy, was he right, because immediately I saw Damon Lindelof tells Alan Moore to go F himself. And I'm like, oh, let me click on this and see what they're talking about. Sucker. Lindelof did promise, however, that the original source material isn't being retconned or rewritten in an HBO version. We re-explore the past, but it's canon. Everything that happened in those 12 issues could not be messed with. We were married to it. There is no rebooting it. And while fans may be wary of another Watchmen adaptation without more seal of approval, Lindelof explained that he's a fan of the original as well. All I can say is I love the source material. I went through a very intense period of terror of effing it up. I'm not entirely sure I'm out of that tunnel, but I have tremendous amount of respect for this. I had to separate myself a little bit. I don't understand why he wants to do it, period. I'm curious about it. I'm not that interested in Watchmen anymore. I trailer for it already. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, mm, interesting? I don't know. I kind of wish I could just binge watch the season and not do it week to week. You know, we're so spoiled by Netflix. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm curious about it. Okay, Stephen, now I want to get into the Jerry Seinfeld and who is he talking about. This website speculates on it. Sleuths have discovered the enemy Jerry is talking about in his Comedians and Car episode. This on the website Detractify. Have you ever heard of this website? Never heard of it. Jerry Seinfeld is back on Netflix for another season of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. And one thing's for sure, or certain... 
The cars keep getting crazier. Over the course of several episodes with comedians like Matthew Broderick, is he a comedian? He's an actor. Seth Rogen and Eddie Murphy, Jerry strikes up conversations with the stars about their craft and struggles throughout the years. All of this over a cup of joe and with the wind blowing in their hair as they cruise around in gorgeous vintage rides. There's very little to show thematically overall. It mainly consists of us watching famous people we love shoot the breeze. This season, we've watched Jerry curiously bring up Bill Cosby several times and also dish on a comedian he especially hates. But who is it? Read on to find out. So who does Jerry Seinfeld hate? Over a coffee and later a tarot reading in Tenafly, New York, New Jersey, I mean, <laughs> in Tenafly, New Jersey, with one of the only two women he interviews this season, we watch as Jerry and Bridget Everett get into chatting about their past influences and performances that have stuck with them throughout their careers. Bridget cites John Belushi on Saturday Night Live and Animal House as fundamental performances that stayed with her from childhood. I just felt like so electrified by him and really, really sad when he died. Then there's an edit. Fans speculate they moved on talking about Robin Williams for a spell, followed by Bridget starting to tell a story. You know, I'm good friends with, she begins, but the name she says is bleeped, and a black bar is added over her lips to obstruct lip readers from identifying the person in question. That's when Jerry all but loses it about the friend and has less than pleasant words to say. You know, I played the clip. I don't like him at all, at all, in fact. I have particular feelings about him. He continued while Bridget is covering her head, trying to figure out where to hide, looking so uncomfortable about him mistakenly brought up her friend into this conversation. Jerry goes on, I had kind of forgotten about him. And then there was a little article about him in the paper. And even that, there was veiled reference to his dislike of what I did. He used to rail against me, he continues, because they weren't as wild and dangerous as he was, because he sucked. Jerry continues to roast him into oblivion. He wasn't, okay, he wasn't funny. Bridget visibly regretting bringing her friend up. According to Redditors, the comedian is talking about Bobcat Goldthwait. Now, I did think this as I, not, I, you know, I didn't have to read this. I thought it because he said he did that stupid voice and it made me think of Bobcat, but I wasn't sure. Like you were saying, Andrew Dice Clay did a, you know, there's a lot of comedians who do voices, you know, inflections. I mean, he did that, the, the exaggerated Jersey, New Yorker voice. Right. Reddit came to the rescue on this one and banded together to decide that the comedian question was Bobcat Goldthwaite. We can confirm after rewatching both the clip at Cafe Angelique over coffee and later during his mention at the terror reading that it certainly looks like Bridget is mouthing Bobcat over the black censor. We hadn't much heard of Bobcat Goldthwaite, but it seems like he's more of a behind the camera guy these days. Wow, who? how young is the person that wrote this? And he's the one who directed Bridget's Love You More pilot. But it seems like their beef has been going on for a very long time. Back when Bobcat was on Arsenio, he spoke quite candidly about his thoughts on Jerry. Now, see, this is like a major clue, like whoever talks shit about Jerry. I might as well do some Seinfeld while I'm at it, he says in the video. While Arsenio cautions him not to touch the subject of Jerry, saying, no, 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 he's very popular. You don't want to do that. Bobcat goes on anyway. He's the devil. He's a spooky, weird Scientology guy banging teenage girls, he said. And although Arsenio stops him there, practically pinning him to the ground, Bobcat expanded on his sentiment in a later interview. Here's this creepy Scientologist guy dating teenage girls, which I don't care about when we're there. I've never heard that Jerry's a Scientologist. 
What I find creepy, he said, is that people are convinced he lives in that apartment, and those are his wacky friends. They don't like each other. They're actors, paid to pretend like they like Jerry. He's a weird guy, but everybody thinks he's normal, and I'm weird. Well, talk about going for the jugular. Reading what Bobcat has said about Jerry makes it feel a little bit more okay, we suppose, that Jerry just unleashes feelings about Bobcat. Comedians, they're just as salty as us. Stream Comedians and Cars on Netflix today. Okay, so they think it's Bobcat. It could very well be. It could be. Could very well be. Because he talked in that. And, you know, it's like, you haven't heard from Bobcat in a while. Like you said, if he's behind the scenes and he directed something that she did, that would make sense. Isn't that a great story? (laughs) No, um, it's like, I've seen, like, he just recently had a show on, uh, what's that prank guys that weird show right next to comedy central right on the guide it's like goofy channel where they have weird obscure true stuff tv uh, it, they yeah true tv that's it he had a show on there Let's beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah that's the one bobcat drop we have okay final story steven <clears throat> me 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 tennessee police department comes clean admits that meth gators are not real no they are after arresting a suspect trying to flush his stash of meth down the toilet earlier this month the loretto police department in tennessee posts on facebook warning people against doing the same as the drugs could leak into nearby bodies of water and create meth gators that's pretty <laughs> scary steven don't you agree yes why are we standing here in a toilet? The post went viral, generating dozens of news reports from New Zealand to China and causing the police to f- force to feel the need to issue a clarification. They were just joking. Drug-addicted alligators don't really exist that they know of. Alas, the meth gator is not real, they said in a Facebook post on July 19th. Let's say that again. The meth gator is not, at this time, real. We had to explain that to our cousins across the pond twice. So they originally posted that, and people were like, oh my god, meth gators? Loretta Police uh, Chief Bobby Joe Killen, Bobby Joe, I love that, Stephen, told ABC News that the comment about meth gators was meant to be a lighthearted way to get people to pay attention to the real message, don't flush drugs down the toilet. We take our job seriously, but we like to joke amongst ourselves at the department. When you work eight, ten-hour shifts in our line of work, there are times when we like to laugh a little bit. Otherwise, you just take the problems home. Wow. That's funny. I like it. I was like wondering. Anybody talks like that, get chopped up and fed to the alligators. It's like, well, it all goes to a site to be cleaned it just doesn't get dumped into your rivers and stuff yeah <laughs> it goes to a recycling plant and they clean it and re- then they redistribute the water. i do like the idea of methed up gators that's pretty scary Me isn't too. it well steven what do you say we do some dvds meth heads hey we're not meth hey. heads hey steven what do you say we do some dvds do it Let's do some DVDs! Let's do some DVDs! 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 HD Blu-ray Standard Definition! DVDs! Oh hell yeah! The DVDs, everybody! Woo! 
uh, just like good old days, you get baby all riled up. <laughs> That's right, guys. DVDs. I'll try to fill you in before your inevitable heart attack. Yes. All right. July 30th, 2019. We've got some DVDs. And, you know, actually, I want to go to last week, July 23rd. I couldn't do the show because, uh, you know, I was sick. Yes. But Alita Battle Angel came out. Yes. Almost a decade after, after being in development, James Cameron's adaptation of the popular Battle Angel Alita manga series was finally handed off to Robert Rodriguez to direct. Set far in the future, the story centers on Alita, a cyborg found in the scrapyard of Iron City by Dr. Ido. With no memory or recognition of the world, Alita must learn to navigate the dangerous Iron City, find the truth behind her origin, and discover her unique fighting skills. It's another jump into the future of visual effects from a director who brought us the unique look of Sin City. Steven, have you seen this movie? Yes. What did you think? I enjoyed it. Pretty good? Yes. I saw it on the plane two weeks ago. Oh, wow. You saw it on the plane? Yes. Is it, like, really good? Or is it I, like, just like, ah, it's okay. No, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. What is it have a strong ending? I have a problem with a lot of Robert it, Rodriguez films don't have strong endings, like uh, Desperado. Well, I don't want to tell, because if you see it, you know, the, the, the it was a very leading ending. How's that? Oh, okay. It's leading into a sequel? Possibly. <laughs> I am curious about it. I just, uh, I should have saw it in the theater in 3D, but... Most of our theaters aren't 3D anymore, are nope, they? they're going away. Yeah. Unless we want to see it at some obscure time, like either in the morning or very late at night or something. It's weird. You want to see it at 2 in the morning? That's our only 3D. <laughs> yeah. No. Also, Stephen, last week, Hellboy came out. Not the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy. This is uh, the new one by Neil Marshall. After two successful feature films directed by Guillermo del Toro... Mike Mignola's, or is it Mignola's, comic book superhero returned to the big screen in April. But this Hellboy, despite initial plans, was not another sequel. Instead, it's a reboot made without Ron Perlman or Del Toro. He has been replaced by Stranger Things' David Harbour. Though Mignola claimed that the new film is more faithful to the original comics, the Descent director, Neil Marshall, takes over behind the camera. And... his film is one of 2019's biggest commercial and critical disappointments. Note that if you are somewhat still curious about seeing the film, there's no need to buy the disc. It will also stream for free on Amazon Prime's video beginning today. Oh, okay. I can watch it on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's showing on the plane, too. Okay. Um, I've watched Glass, that uh, Alita, and... How was Glass? I liked Glass. That was, I mean... It was a nice little bookend to the little the trilogy there. Uh, you know, I heard some criticisms of Glass where, you know, it's been years in the making by M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. And some people are like, and this is what you come up with? Like the ending? Like some people say he majorly botched it. Did you feel that way? Or maybe because you haven't, you're not all worked up about it. Like, oh my God, I love Unbreakable so much. And then the other movie, the second one, Split. Oh my God, I can't wait for this. I enjoyed Split a lot. So you didn't really care that much? Holy shit. Oh, shit. Be careful, be careful. That's scary. 
I wasn't caught up in it so much that it's like, okay, this has to happen. Right. Interesting. Okay, uh, The Hot Zone. It's a TV series. Juliana Margulies heads the cast of a six-part fictionalized adaptation of Richard Preston's best-selling 1995 nonfiction book chronicling the first Ebola outbreak in 1989 and a U.S. Army scientist's heroic quest to prevent the disease from spreading uncontrollably. Also starring Noah Emmerich, Topher Grace, James Darcy, Grace Gummer, and Robert Sean Leonard. I love that guy. Also, Long Shot. I actually kind of wanted to see this. It's starring Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. You know, kind of like a QT. This is like me, oh. me and Heather going on a nice little, you know, date night or something. Yeah. The Notting Hill meets Dave political rom-com comes from the 50-50 director, Jonathan Levine. Seth Rogen plays an investigative reporter hired as a speechwriter for the his one-time babysitter, now the Secretary of State, Charlize Theron, as she considers a presidential campaign. The comedian-heavy supporting cast includes Bob Odenkirk. June Diane Raphael, Paul Shear, Randall Park, and Kurt Braunohler. I don't know who that is. Plus, Andy Serkis, O'Shea Jackson Jr., and Alexander Skarsgård. The film received plenty of positive reviews, though that miscasting of one or both leads hampers the film's believability. Who was miscast, do you think they're talking about? Who? Seth Rogen? Seth Rogen. Possibly. Possibly. Uh... Have you seen any of BoJack Horseman? I've heard it's really good on Netflix. It's now being released as a collector's edition, uh, seasons one and two. It's interesting when Netflix does that, because they did that with Stranger Things and House of Cards, where you don't have to have Netflix to watch it. And did they do that with Daredevil, those Marvel shows at all? I don't... Yeah, yeah, you can get Daredevil uh, season one and two. I don't know if the season three had come out yet. Oh, okay. I might have to start the feed here in 10 minutes, guys. I I have the plan where it goes three hours, and I had the feed going a way long time before, before you got, got here. here. The Good Place, Season 3. Stephen, have you watched any of The Good Place? I watched the first season or so. I think it's interesting that this comes out on disc when you can watch it on Netflix right now. Uh-huh. Or who it comes on Hulu as it's airing, but as soon as it's over, it goes to Netflix. Not everybody has Netflix, my friend. Yeah, it's kind of crazy though when you hear somebody who doesn't have Netflix. My cousin Candy. I don't have Netflix. You don't? Oh, I thought you did. Mm-mm. Um, I what? borrow Melissa's. <laughs> oh, did you use her account to watch yes. uh, Blown Away? Okay, just like on her laptop or whatever. Yep. Okay. That's what a lot of people do. They share a password, Stephen. <laughs> no, I watched it with her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see what else we got. Uh, Domino, a thriller starring Nikolai Kostal. How do you say his name? It's a dude from uh, Game of Thrones, Stephen. I don't know. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> this is directed by Brian nice. De Palma, starring uh, um, guy. guy Pierce. Well, Pierce. I can I can pronounce his name and Nikolai Coster Waldau. He played Jamie Lannister. In a world racked by terror and suspicion, Copenhagen police officer Christian seeks justice for his partner's murder by an ISIS member. On the hunt for the killer, Christian and fellow copper unwittingly caught in a cat and mouse chase with the duplicitous CIA agent played by Guy Pierce. That sounds awesome, Steven. I don't know about you, but sign me up. Cat fight it was. That's right, buddy. It's a cat fight, Steven. Uh-huh. 
Maybe they don't show these straight-to-video movies on planes, do they? They only show theatrical movies, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like everything that just is brand new to Netflix or just released on Blu-ray is on there. And then they'll have some older... It's like you can watch the entire Star Wars movies from A New Hope all the way, you know, Phantom Menace all the way. Nice. Now, another movie, I swear this was just in theaters, Ugly Dolls. Because my daughter is now grown, we don't see every kid movie that comes out anymore. But uh, in the adorably different town of Uglyville, weird is celebrated. Strange is special and beauty is embraced as more than simply meets the eye. Here, the free-spirited Moxie, played by Kelly Clarkson, and her ugly doll friends live every day in a whirlwind of bliss. No! Kelly Clarkson! <laughs> uh, other voices in this are Baby Rexa, Blake Sheldon, Charlie XCX, Emma Roberts, Gabriel Iglesias, Ice T, Janelle Monet, Kelly Clarkson. No! Kelly Clarkson! Nick Jonas, Pitbull, and Wanda Sykes. So, Stephen, that sounds like it's right up our alley, doesn't it? Yes. Or not. No. Not so much. And I'm not seeing a lot of stuff that's very interesting here. Bill was so good at finding all sorts of stuff. I have heard of this film. It's called The Intruder. When a young married couple buys their dream house in Napa Valley, they think they have found the perfect home to take their next steps as a family. But when the strangely attached seller, played by Dennis Quaid, continues to infiltrate their lives... They begin to suspect that he has hidden motivations beyond a quick sale. Starring Michael Ely and Megan Good, and special guest Steven. Guess who else is in it? No! Kelly Clarkson! Yeah, that's right. No, it's uh, Kelly Clarkson is not. (laughs) You know what? This movie doesn't sound very scary unless replace Dennis Quaid with Randy Quaid terrorizing (laughs) your family. Now it's scary! What do you got? Shit in your ears? Come on! That's right. What do you got? Shit in your ears? Well, I watched the black coat's daughter, the one I told you about. Uh huh. Yeah, not so good. <laughs> not so good. Okay. <laughs> not, not not scary like they said it was or anything. You know. It was, mm. like, it was like I I was expecting maybe because I was they built it up and it was just like uh, a lot of the the talking was real low. You know. Oh. It's like, and then you have to turn it up. And next thing you and it's like, okay, then we got to keep voluming it up and down. Well, Stephen, it's time to read Rotten Tomatoes. What do you say? Sure. Let's do it. That was DVDs. It's kind of like their bookends. DVDs, Rotten Tomatoes, one, uh, you know, same segment. Let's do it. You say either, I say either, you say neither, and I say neither, either, either, and either, neither. Let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato, and I like potato. You like tomato, I like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. I like stale tomato juice. Now, right here, guys, I'm going to stop the feed and restart it just because I can't keep looking at this clock. So you're going to lose us for one second, guys. Just hold on. And we're back. And we're back.
Testing one, two, three. Do you guys hear us? Are we coming in loud and clear? Testing one, two, three. Do you guys hear us? Yep. Okay. The feed's going again. Okay, Stephen. Rotten Tomatoes. Today, today, once upon a time in Hollywood just came out on Rotten Tomatoes. I told Adam that I would go see this because I'm going to be on the Past and the Pending podcast on Monday, and we're going to talk about this new Quentin Tarantino flick. Have you ever heard of Quentin Tarantino, Stephen? He sounds vaguely familiar. Currently is at 86% fresh, with an 83% audience score, which is very interesting. 3% difference. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's ninth feature film is a story that takes place in Los Angeles in 1969 at the height of hippie Hollywood. The two lead characters are Rick Dalton, former star of a Western TV series, and his longtime stunt double... Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth. <laughs> Both are struggling to make it in Hollywood. They don't recognize anymore. But Rick has a very famous next-door neighbor, Sharon Tate. Starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot P- Robbie, Luke Perry, Dakota Fanning, Al Pacino, uh, Timothy Oliphant, Kurt Russell, Bruce Dern, James Ramar. Oh, man, it's got a lot of people in this movie. Okay. Rex Reed, who we always take his reviews with a grain of salt, Stephen says, frankly, I find the entire experience baffling and any attempt to laugh off the Manson murders at sitcom fodder, embarrassing. Two out of four. Wow. That's still not bad. Two out of four. (laughs) Ben Sachs of Chicago Reader says, though Tarantino mixes fiction and historical fact cleverly and confidently, I'm not sure what he wanted to achieve with the mix this time, and I'm not sure if he knew either. Two out of four. Rotten. the hell is it telling me I restarted? Steven? Are you kidding me? It's still... Counting down. (laughs) Oh my god. So I'm just going to let it run out. Okay, Brian Lowry of CNN.com says, For those well-versed in the writer-director's work, it's a credible, intriguing addition to his filmography. Yet, at 2 hours and 41 minutes, holy shit, that's long. (laughs) It also feels too leisurely in connecting its threads. Uh, I'm going to have to go see this by myself, Stephen, for 2 hours and 41 minutes, because Heather has no interest at all. Joe Morgenstern says of the wall street journal as one might expect from tarantino's previous films his new one is violent as well as tender plus terrifically funny yet this virtuoso piece of storytelling also offers intricate instruction on the pervasiveness of violence in popular culture your full three hours daily we were set oh okay i can't do it live anymore we've never had this problem before (laughs) we'll just keep podcasting Hey, Stephen, we're podcasting for real. It's just you and me. So anyway, um, Matthew Lacona says, meandering but deliberate, gorgeous and garrulous. Stephen, how do you say this word? Garrulous. It is very much the writer-director doing what he does so well, but in a very familiar fashion, which brings up the possibility that in making a movie about movie making, his real subject here is himself. Ooh, interesting. Here's a man who knows when a situation is untenable. Okay. James Vermeer of the Boston Herald says, The best mad magazines of the 1960s era Hollywood spoof in ages. Are we going to get the real thing as a follow-up? Please send me one. What? A-. minus. 
Ray Pride of New City says a swarming cast crosses the fates of three characters over three days in another time. Quentin Tarantino's melancholy pop rocket is also the most costly, most grand grandieloquent piece of installation art ever fashioned. Nine out of ten. Which I don't understand about this, Stephen, is before when I had this, um I when I had it wasn't I had the free plan, you get get an hour, the hour would be up, and then I just started over. Remember right, that? Right. Yeah. Why can't I do that on this? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Alright, so uh once upon a time in Hollywood, here's the thing. I'm gonna go see the film. I'm not that fired up about it. I mean, okay. Is that weird? I mean it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. I haven't seen his last film either. In, uh, not th- uh, the, the Western one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even see that one. Django Unch- Unchained? No. The Hateful Eight. I never saw that, Stephen. So I want to talk about TV shows right now because today I just saw a new show that premiered starring Katie Sackhoff on Netflix, Stephen, yes. called Another Life. And I watched the first episode. It I found it very interesting. It look like a show that most likely is probably made in Canada or filmed in Canada or something. It's a Netflix original, but I wondered if it's made for Canadian TV. I don't know, but it's a 7% rotten so far on the old, uh, Ron tomatoes, 14 critic ratings, a hodgepodge of science fiction homage. Another life lacks the distinctive spark necessary to set apart from an area of stories it inspires to be. Okay. Another life starts out. A ship lands on earth, an alien ship. It builds up these crystals where they can't get to the ship. So they don't know why it's here and they can't communicate it with it. Katie Sackhoff's husband is trying to communicate with the ship. Kind of like in the movie, uh, that other movie. So Arrival. arrival. Yeah. She has been tasked to fly with a crew to where a brought where that ship came from, a broadcast coming from it or something like that. So they her last crew died, her space crew, whatever. But it looks like we've mastered space travel to a point where we're we've got artificial gravity. They don't even wear uniforms in space, they just wear casual clothes. Thought it was very interesting. So they're the ship effects are pretty good. So once she's on the ship, it turns out that there is a, uh, she took over for a captain that's there on the ship. So the whole crew is used to working with this captain, Steven. Right. And they don't really like her cause she, they think she's a bitch. And so the captain is trying to undermine her at every moment. Meanwhile, there's a AI hologram on the ship. Okay. Um, he seems like he has feelings for her. Like the, the AI is kind of in love with her or something. So the captain says we can get to this constellation or whatever quicker if we do this. She's like, no, we put the the team in danger. We're not going to do that. He's like, you're just being that way because you lost your old crew. And it's like, (gasps) and she's like, you will do what I say. I am the captain. So he leads a mutiny and tries to put her in stasis. Uh, But when he tries to go through the little wrapping around a star type of thing to make, we've seen that in other sci-fi shows. Uh, the ship almost gets broken apart and everyone dies. So they wake her up and she takes it over. You know, she takes the ship back over. Um, 
Meanwhile, on Earth, the husband figures out that pigeons can communicate with the ship by playing Mozart in pigeon dialect. And then they the the alien ship responds to him or whatever. People the- <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing about all this is she's in deep space and she can talk to her husband at home and there's a hologram of him right there sitting with her at the table. And then on Earth, he's at the dining room table and she's sitting there too. So it's like, wait a second, you guys are cheating. They were just like there on the set and you kind of made it look like there's little digitization, like yeah. they're holograms or whatever. Um, the holograms are really good. Yeah. So anyway... The captain's like, sorry, no no hard feelings for me trying to insurrect or whatever. And she's like, you just do your job. So anyway, they're trying to put the ship back together. And he grabs a knife and he comes up to her. He's going to kill her. Well, she turns around and kicks him into this electric field. Like this thing's leaking electricity. And he gets like, Aah! and it like melts all of his skin. He's badly burned. He falls to the ground. And she's like, uh, damn it. And then it ends. Everything I just told you is in the first episode. That's one episode. This is 10 episodes and all of this shit has happened. They, the aliens have landed. They started the mission and there was an insurrection and she took the thing over. It's like, Oh my God, what else could happen in the show? show? I don't know. No, the show was an hour long. Yeah. Hour long, 10 episodes. Okay. The first episode's called across the universe. Okay. So let's read reviews. Wenlei Ma of Harold Sun, Australia says, Another Life is just another sci-fi drama with semi-interesting premise and unfulfilled promise. The characterization is shallow, the effects are amateur, and the plot plotting. Okay. Matt Fowler of IGN Movie says, Occasionally Another Life will land a decent surprise or provide an emotional moment that resonates, but its main superpower seems to be making the perils of space travel incredibly boring. 5 out of 10. Michelle Jaworski of the Daily Lot says, the Daily Dot, but instead of using the themes and tropes to explore something new or exciting, Another Life is an unoriginal jumbled mess filled with flimsy characters. I will say this. Was it a jumbled mess? with flimsy? From the first episode, we're there from Katie Sackhoff's point of view. We all know her as Starbucks, so we're on her side. Every character on the ship, the crew members, seems like a friggin' asshole. None of the characters are likable. And I wonder why would you create a show where everyone's an asshole? Like even uh, the one girl who tries to, uh, you know, put her in stasis with the captain, you know, she's kind of like the introducer and she's kind of like looking at her like, bitch, you know, she's just like, (laughs) I don't like you. It's like, it's really bad. Ty Gooden of Den of Geek says another life has pieces of other compelling sci-fi properties. However, there's nothing unique or substantial to build a foundation for the space saga to stand on. Okay, there's one good review here, Stephen. Norman Wilner of Now Toronto. Another Life is pleasantly cluttered new Netflix series that hybridizes Arrival, Annihilation, and Interstellar into something less heady and more adventure-driven. Three out of five. Here's another series. It's new on Amazon. I'm very interested in this. I'm wondering if you are too. It's called The Boys. Yeah. It's based on a comic book. Stephen, this is my waiting for Rotten Tomatoes site to load music. Of course, you know this as what? The theme to what? That's right. 
still waiting. The site has loaded, Stephen. <laughs> <clears throat> the Boys, Season 1. 76% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics ratings, 49 critics. Watch this. Much better than the Another Life. 14 people watched it and hated it. Well, except for one person. Okay, where's the synopsis? Though viewers' mileage may vary, the boys' violent delights and willingness to engage in heavy, relevant themes are sure to please those looking for a new group of anti-heroes to root for. Glenn Weldon at NPR, Stephen, says, The Boys isn't the bold deconstruction of superhero tropes its creator seems to think it is. Rotten. Okay. Ed Power of the Daily Telegraph says, Urban's attempt at a likely lad doesn't quite soar like a bird or a plane. We're left with a character who speaks like Mary Poppins-era Dick Van Dyke channeling Danny Dyer. One iffy accent cannot stand in the way of truth and justice, however. Four out of five. Do you understand any of that? They're just making fun of what's his name's accent, thinking that it's he's just overacting. Uh, isn't that's his uh, what's his name? Uh, Carl Urban. Carl Urban. It's his accent. I guess. I guess we'll have to watch it to know what they're talking about. Matthew Gilbert of Boston Globe says the cast is fine, particularly Shu. Who is Shu? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shu. Elizabeth Shu. She's in it. <laughs> who is icily effective, Quaid, whose neurotic but brave fumblings are endearing, and Urban, who is Huey's gonzo guide. Okay? So far, all these reviews suck. Nick Allen of Robert RogerEbert.com says, Robert Ebert, <laughs> the boys fails to be truly subversive in ways that count more than just wagging a middle finger at Marvel CEO Kevin Feige. Christopher Lawrence says, irreverent, deliciously cynical, the boys follows the greed and corruption behind the superhero hero industrial complex. Charles Pulliam Moore says, manages to tell a solid story with a breadth and depth of character development that Netflix's Cape Fair always insisted it needed more time to do, which is refreshing and its reflections on the ways that we obsess over comic book heroes are interesting. Sharon Nicole of Geek Girl Riot says, the character development from the comics isn't here and without... That, you really don't understand who the boys are, so you can't really side with them, and in their twisted universe, they need someone on their side. I'm, I'm curious about this. I, I, I know it's... I thought what it was is there's superheroes, but then there's the bad guys who hate the superheroes, and they're kind of against them or something. That's what I thought from the trailer. I didn't know it was like a, this kind of like... pay-for-hire superhero kind of thing. Like a statement on... Superheroes whoring themselves to the public yeah. or something, I guess. I don't know. Well, anyway, Stephen, that is Let's Read Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, if yes. you wait over there, I'll meet you in just a second, I'll okay? For you, sir. All right, I'll be right over there. I gotta find more more hobbies, more interests. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And
I just feel like I'm missing out a little bit. Uh, yeah, me too. I don't know what the hell's going on. Very smart. Uh, how was that smart? I don't understand. <laughs> All right, Stephen, that was episode 67 of ETL News. Mm-hmm. Or. <laughs> Or it's episode 308 of Entertainment Landfill, which it is. This is Entertainment Landfill, guys. Steven and I, I'm sorry, we got a little distracted there. Our live feed ended and we couldn't sign back on. It was a little distracting during the Rotten Tomatoes segment. Hopefully no one noticed that much. You'll be able to edit most some of that stuff out. Yeah, it'll, it'll be no big deal to uh, people listening to the podcast, but I feel bad for Jessica and Adam Sexton and a couple of other people that were listening that we just got cut off without any explanation. Due to my lateness. It kind of sucks. It's no big deal, Stephen. Next time, I'll just wait until you're like five minutes out and then start the feed. Basically, we get a three hours of live time. And uh, here's another thing. Podbean recently emailed me. That's who uh, is our podcast host. All of our shows are on Podbean. They said, hey, would you be interested in doing your show live? We're going to add a feature where you can do live broadcasts of your podcasts and even have call-ins, an ability for call-ins on our website. And I said, yes, I would be interested in this. And they're going to let me know when that their thing is available. So we'll try Podbean when it starts. Might as well. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Entertainment Landfill. Uh, We've been doing the show since 2005. We weren't always called Entertainment Landfill. We were also called Nowhere Mulberry. But I've been doing the show with Steven since episode one. Yes. Since a helicopter crashed. I've only missed a couple. Only missed a couple. Hardly missed any. But Steven, I think you... For all these years, you've been showing up after flying into town (laughs) on an airplane. And boy, are your arms tired. And that joke is, it does get old, doesn't it? flew in the town and boy, are my arms tired. Boy, are my arms tired. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, I love doing this podcast. I've enjoyed making all these clips and doing this again I'm drawing blanks there are all these drops i didn't get to use all of them steven Uh-oh. he's not funny yeah but well, you'll, you'll, sometimes yeah, it's you'll, sad and sometimes it's beautiful yes that's right and uh stuff like that crazy scientologist jerry and so guys i think you get scientologist if you guys are, okay the show is no longer Entertainment Landfill News. It is now Entertainment Landfill. So it was 167. Now it's 308. I'll let this guy explain it all. I've just decided to switch our Friday schedule to Monday, which means that the test we take each Friday on what we learn during the week will now take place on Monday before we've learned it. But since the day is Tuesday, it doesn't matter in the slightest. Pencil's ready. So what do you think of that, Stephen? Well, that person, whoever it was, is a real asshole. I want to say this, Heather and I watched a new season of Veronica Mars, season four, just right. came out on Hulu. Yes. We watched the whole thing, it was fantastic, up until the final episode, the last ten minutes or so, totally craps the bed, where I looked at Heather and she goes, I am not happy. And I go, I'm not either. <laughs> and we just looked at each other and we're like, did that really just happen? And we were just like, 
pissed, annoyed, just totally pissed by the ending. And I was like, what were they thinking? I can't believe, why would a showrunner, okay, it would be like this, Chuck comes back. They bring Chuck back. Right. Fantastic. I'm elated. I can't wait. Chuck and Sarah back, Morgan, whatever. And then Sarah dies. I'd be like, I wish you guys never came back so this didn't happen. That's the way I felt. You dumb bastard. You're going to pay for that. Exactly. That's how I felt. And I've read stuff from the showrunner or the creator, and he talked about his reasons for it. None of them make any sense to me. I think they're all stupid. The only reason that would work is if you can't, you're just, you're a bad writer. I could come up with, I came up with five scenarios completely different than what happened that would have worked better. Good morning, glass blowers. <laughs> I'm not a glass blower. <laughs> you are. Uh, okay, Stephen. The Last Wish is the first book in the Witcher series. Here it is right here. I'm going to read this and do a podcast. How far are you into it? I am literally... Like, okay, 20 pages in, 30 pages in. I am... I can't even see in this light. 31 pages into it. How good was I? 30 pages. You're 31. Yep, not bad. I want to see how many pages it is. 340, 344 pages. And the type is huge. Oh, Jessica. Well, it was nice while it lasted. Thanks for another great show, guys. Oh, <laughs> Hey, that's not funny. You have special parting gifts, Jessica. With a fistful of herbs. Yeah, we're going to a fistful of herbs, Stephen, <laughs> that uh, Jessica gets there. Nice. Now, Stephen, I want you to read this book along with me so we can talk about the show together. Okay. I think it would be cool if we did. When's a, what book are you reading right now? Or what's the last book you read? I've got night shifts. Night shift. Are you still reading it right now? Yeah. I, I kind of stopped in the middle of the body. I need to, I'd have to restart it to. Okay. Uh, to, to, would this mess to you up me. too much? If you just started reading it? No, Cause night shifts a bunch of short stories. I'm going to make a post in the, the entertainment landfill fan club all about this and have a list of the books in what order. And also a picture of this cover. Hi, Heather. We're just finishing the show up. Are you doing okay? Yeah. Do you have any trouble getting home? No. Cause it seemed like you took a long time. Oh, okay. Oh, perfect. Great time to do that, baby. I can do comedy. Steven, I can do comedy too. I don't Not know if you know. Stupid some. voices. Yeah. Steven, how do you feel about Bobcat Goldthwait? I don't friend. like him. I, at all. <laughs> at all. Now, Steven, um, I'm a huge fan of Blown Away. I'm going to finish the season. Mm-hmm. I, I say a huge fan. I think it's interesting. I'm yeah. not like, oh, this is so. Oh. But some of the things they make, I'm like, I would put that on a shelf in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Giannis has made a few things that I really liked. Really? I thought were fantastic. I even like the egg with the chicken leg sticking out. I I found it silly. You know why I liked it? Because it reminded me of my restaurant idea, Scrambies. Like I I said that that basically the mascot would be an egg that hadn't hatched all the way. So that guy had made me a Scrambies (laughs) glass doll, basically. You're just weak. 
hey, that's not nice. Steven, uh, when we do our next show, we're going to talk all about that. And like I said, I'm going to do Passing the Pending with Adam. That's very cool. I'm honored to be on his podcast. Who knows? It'll be weird to be on a podcast where all I got to do is show up. Yeah, you know, that'll no, be interesting. No preparation for you. Yeah. Other uh, than watch a movie. Yeah. It's going to be pretty cool. This is so classic. I know. And uh, the thing is, we're going to talk about a movie I just watched called Prospect, starring Pedro Pascal. And it's a sci-fi film that I don't know what the budget was, but they film, post on it. they film it out in the wilderness, and it looks like they're on a foreign planet, and they're wearing spacesuits. And it's really cool. I think the sound design really helped to make it sound otherworldly, you know? Yeah. Like there's a part when they're on a ship there's and they no make it sound sounds and you're like, yeah, crickets. And it's so weird that like there's organic things. They're there to mine, like to reach in the ground, these bubbling things and pull out this weird sack, tear it open and pour liquid on it. And then when you crack it open, there's this priceless gem inside. So people have come to this planet trying to get these gems, which if you do it at the wrong time, can burn your arm off. Also people have, uh, wreck their ships there they're trapped on the planet so if they see somebody else land they try to steal their ship and they want to steal your gems also so it's kind of like this crazy lawless place uh and it's very interesting film and i i think it's kind of inspiring how they got away with what they did for so little budget period so no space crickets no space crickets. That's the one thing that they could have added in the film, but obviously they didn't have the budget. There's no creatures. Yeah. There's no like wild animals that they have to run from, from her, which would have been really cool, but obviously that would have been budgetary concerns right there. Yeah. You know? You want to put a wig on a pig and have it chase you or something? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> they should have done that. I mean, freaking George Lucas did that in Star Wars. That's what I'm on saying. An elephant. I'm, I'm saying like a, you know, like just... A full body costume. Yeah. Very smart. I think that like is smart. Like the elephants. I like that. But if anybody wants to check that out, it's called Prospect on Hulu. And I'll be talking about that with Adam and the new Tarantino flick, If I See It. It's two hours and 40 minutes, and that makes me not want to see it. <laughs> Aren't I pathetic? <laughs> I'm an old man, Steven. Don't I'll go the, see don't it. Have the for it. I just hate that I have to see it alone. Go fuck yourself. Hey, that's not nice. You'd have to wait till Sunday if I could see it. <laughs> since I'm going to go see the concert tomorrow night. Maybe I will. Pencils ready. All right, Stephen. Well, that's our show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Patrons, thank you for supporting the show. Guys, if you'll consider joining the this new uh book club we're gonna do it man we didn't finish the dark tower series but we'll finish the witcher series all right steven right or you start over with dark tower we start you and i we could would let me ask you this if i were to read like wizard and glass or reread it would you reread it or just go by memory no i'd have to reread it because there's I'd get mixed up between books. I wouldn't know what would happen. We'll see uh, how this book shows go, and then I'll think about returning to that. Drawing blanks. And uh, then we will do a whole NIM movie mini on the Dark Tower movie. Yeah, I think I'd be able to... You just didn't acknowledge that at all. (laughs) No, I think since I've read it already, I could be able to skim through it pretty quick and and just read it. Sounds good. (laughs) 
All right. I was really surprised how easily I fell into the Witcher world just early on. Uh, Books very easily to get into. So I'm excited. So, guys, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Go out there and watch some movies, some TV shows. <laughs> Let's say Play hi. Video say hi to my wife, Heather. Hi, go watch Veronica Mars. Yeah, I talked about that on here and talked about the the ending. Didn't spoil anything. Don't I just spoil uh, it. Still watch it. Yeah. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show. What are you guys waiting for? Huh? <laughs> go read the first book in the Witcher series. Go see movies and play video games and stuff, Steven. Yeah, that's what I just said. And we'll see you next time. Woohoo! I spend a lot of time thinking about robots. Okay, now that's not polite. This is so classic. Wow. Well, that person, whoever it was, is a real asshole. You're not scary or dangerous. Oh my lord. You're just weak. (gasps) Go fuck yourself. He's not funny. Personal space, personal space! And that's the show.